1: Arresting Omakase. It is episode number two fifteen. I think. Maybe we maybe it's two seventeen. Maybe it's two eighteen. Been trying to work here with uh mic problems for so long. <laughs> it may just be a different week entirely. But how are you doing, John, other than that?
0: I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back. Um last time it took I was a half on, hour. It took about a half hour <laughs> after I'd already pushed it back a half hour before yeah. that. So thank you for your patience. Yeah. Uh I came back. I was in New York for my mother's birthday today. And I had to find a way to tell her that I had to go without saying I have to be on a wrestling podcast and watch five <laughs> wrestling matches, so I have to cut your birthday short. But I did make um, it out. That
1: is some, devo- that is some devotion. <laughs> yeah. We could just move the show back in day if you'd asked me. It wouldn't have been that big a deal. I wish I'd uh, known that, John. <laughs> <laughs> but I work at home now. It's not like I, my schedule is uh, fucking jam-packed. I mean, back in the day, that would have been a problem because I used to get home. I had that fucking nightmare commute like an hour and a half each way. <laughs> so I used to get home at like fucking seven thirty, and I'd never, like the last thing I want to do is record a podcast on a weekday. But now it's like, I love, I log off at six and I'm in my room. <laughs> so I mean, you know. Wow.
0: Uh, well, the good thing yeah. is my mom has no idea why I rushed out of there. So I'll never, yeah. you know, it won't matter in the end, but boy, I, I felt bad. I would have felt bad today being like, Hey, can we push it back? So instead I yeah. bailed on my mom's, Birthday.
1: <laughs> I want to say for the record, I do not, uh, I do not endorse that. So, and, uh, but uh, that's what's been up with you. We, we Nicole and I, went to um, one of our favorite Japanese restaurants in New York for the first time since pre-COVID on Friday. So that was cool. Have you done the indoor dining yet? You work in that industry, don't you?
0: I do, I do. And we had, we've had people inside, but I hadn't done it myself. Like there was no reason for me not to if I was serving people. Um, yeah. I did eventually. My my girlfriend's parents were in town, and uh, my girlfriend's dad just kept being like, "We're gonna trust the science. We're gonna eat inside." And I was like, "Hey, you heard him." So, <laughs> yeah. so I did eat inside somewhere, and it's still strange. I flew somewhere, and that was even. uh,
1: Ooh, I haven't done that yet. Yeah. That that'll be September for me. I think it'll be the first time I fly when I go to uh, Nicole and I go to Lake Tahoe.
0: Oh, that's so. tight! I'll tell you what. Get ready. I was in. I was because I thought this whole time I've had the mindset of like once I get the vaccine like I'll be comfortable with everything and then I walked I landed in LAX and I was like oh wrong 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 <laughs> not comfortable <laughs> with this no no
1: <laughs> yeah I'm mostly I'm mostly pretty comfortable I don't know about the the new CDC recommendations this week about uh, not need to wear vaccine not we need to wear vaccine doors it seems like. Maybe a little, like, a, I don't know, like three weeks early for that or something. Yeah. I and mean, all the numbers are going down, but I, I would have liked to give it like another month. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, New York hasn't even done it yet anyway, or New Jersey. Like there, I know, I think Pennsylvania is one of the states that adopted it immediately,
0: right? Well, last time, I don't know, last time I was, after the CDC thing happened, I was at work and we were serving people and a health inspector came in and was like, you need the giant full face. like, um like the face visors to serve people and they shut us down, serving people inside on the spot. So I don't know if they took it on immediately. Maybe they did later that afternoon when I got out of work, (laughs) but,
1: well, there you go. Um, but yeah, so New York and New Jersey, where obviously I live in New York and I go to New Jersey a lot to like visit family and stuff that neither state has done it so far. So it really hasn't changed things for me yet, but I imagine they're probably going to adopt that soon. Um, but yeah, we, I just remember we were in, This Japanese restaurant, which is a a place by the name of No No No, which is very good if you're ever in Midtown. Um, So we were in this restaurant, and Nicole and I are sitting there. And now we always, um, you know, just I I guess mostly out of politeness to the staff, like our our whole thing has been either, even for the outdoor dining we're doing, but especially indoor dining. If a waitress or a waiter walks up to the table, even if we have our mask down, I try to put them back on, you know, to be like because it feels like that's only the respectful thing to do because they have to wear them. Uh, we were doing this a couple times and this waitress finally says, I'm fully vaccinated. And like puts her hand up and then walks away. And I'm like, why would she say that? Like it didn't <laughs> click for me for a second. And then I was like, oh, she's trying to tell us we don't have to fucking reach for our masks to put them back on every time because she either thinks, Either she thinks, either she knows that we're doing it, like, to be polite to her, or she, even worse, she thinks we're doing it because we're scared of catching COVID from her. And she, which is another way, I guess you can read that, uh, read what we were doing. So, yeah, if we stopped doing that at that point, oh, we, yeah. basically did, we basically did that as you were saying, please stop doing that. I don't care. Yeah,
0: when I, I brought food out to a couple families uh, on the later end of this who were like, they see me coming and they go into like a panic and start reaching over each other to grab their masks. And I had to be like, you're making me uncomfortable. Like <laughs> no need.
1: I know, <laughs> trying to be trying to be nice, uh, but you know, I feel I feel like we are free, like the huge basically saying stop freaking out. It's okay, but yeah, I mean, it's like I, I, when everybody, I think you know, they, all the stats are coming out. It's like if you are vaccinated, like the risk to you is so fucking low, even indoors. That like, you know, it's really nothing to be worried about. But it is just like a like a psychological mindset. You know, that it's going to be take time to get used to. Just like seeing people's faces again Uh, and like, and like, you know, not seeing all these masks all everywhere. So I get it. It's going to be a transition period. I'm going to Atlantic City a week from Monday, like just to have fun and hang out and stuff. And uh, I'm kind of happy they haven't listed the mask mandate yet. I have to be honest. I don't know if I'm ready for uh, like my first time back in like casinos and bars and stuff and like all this time. I don't know if I really need to see uh, people's bare faces too. That seems like a little bit, uh, Like i want to dip my toe in the water, not just fucking jump in.
0: So one of my, uh, one of the dumbest things I did through the whole pandemic is, uh, and by the way, I'm like painting myself as a real, like irresponsible pandemic guy, <laughs> but I'm like, I wear a mask all the time. All that. I know. I just said the thing that I do whatever I want once I got vaccinated, but even now I'm wearing a mask all the time, but we, me and a couple of friends took a, a, like a beach trip. And on the way home, we were like, what if we just like stop through Atlantic City and see what it's like? And we were like, well, just get a drink on the boardwalk. Don't go in it, like, don't go in any casinos or anything. And we were on the Atlantic City boardwalk for like 15 minutes before we were like, oh God, what the hell were we thinking? <laughs> like, this is if we found out friends of ours did like, this, one, we'd never one, talk to them again. We gotta get the hell when out. When was of... this? When was this? This was... It, was it was hot out still, so it couldn't be any later than like August or September no it was a bad full stop bad idea no justifying no justifying (laughs) but you
1: know when you're i'm lucky i'm lucky i still have my comps i'm like okay borgata is so desperate for me to get back down there and i i I do not play that that high so so full disclosure i assume uh this is just like how desperate they are for people Mm. is they give me a fucking suite uh for free for two nights so i am uh, oh wow i'm very happy yeah i'm very happy i do not play at a level usually i play at a level high enough where like maybe I'll get a, a regular free room on a weekday and that's it. But, but guys, like you can come on a weekend for free if you want. If you come on a weekday, you can have a suite. I'm like, oh my God, they're that desperate people.
0: You know, I've tried but pretty the, hard to score a free room on a weekday and <laughs> thrown a lot of money out there. The problem is, I'm always at like Wild West and they're not giving away anything. Yeah, you shouldn't play that.
1: <laughs> if, like, the, 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 it's kind of it's like uh, counterintuitive, but the higher end places... Like Borgata, Ocean. I don't know how many fucking listeners care about this. Like the higher (laughs) places in Lake City, Borgata, Ocean, they like go out of their way to comp more people. And I don't know. Like you don't have to play that. Like I play like $10 craps and like $15 blackjack. I I am not a high roller by any fucking stretch. And I never have a problem getting comp rooms on a weekday. So, you know, I think if you
0: play. I got to try harder. uh, You know, that's my, that's the first thing I'm going to do when I re enter the world. I'm going (laughs) to gamble my way into one free weeknight hotel room in Lake City.
1: <laughs> it doesn't cost that much it really doesn't but yeah i mean i'm excited to finally uh play a little craps play a little blackjack
0: you know craps intimidates me yeah. craps is one of those things that like i watch in movies and i'm like that seems like the most fun thing on the planet
1: it is really fun it is by far it's by far my favorite casino game like there's really nothing like a hot craps table when everybody's winning because everybody's like on the same side, except for the weird don't players. But even they usually switch sides when the, the table's hot. And so you're all high five and like blackjack, yeah. you know, like one guy could be winning and the other two could be fucking going for, you know, going broke, but crafts, it's like, you're all winning or losing at the same time. Usually. So. I
0: always imagined blackjack before I ever had the courage to uh, play any table games to that. It would just be like that scene from uh, national lampoon's Vegas vacation. Where, i never uh, seen it oh uh, well it doesn't go well <laughs> for uh, clark griswold and uh i was right that's how it always has been for me at blackjack tables
1: <laughs> i've been really I, I used to do well at blackjack and i have been like on the unluckiest streak at blackjack like i'm ready to stop playing the fucking game for the rest of my life because like every single time i'd say like the last i don't know three or four casino traps it's like i do good at craps I even do good at shitty ass roulette, which if you know the odds of roulette, that has like the worst odds of any game I play, and I've been doing fine at that. But blackjack, I sit down with a hundred dollars, I blink and it's fucking gone, or I sit down with two hundred dollars, I blink and it's, it's like they take my money at blackjack so fucking fast. It goes away really fast. No matter, <laughs> I or- lose every because I lose every double, every split. It's just like okay, well, I'm, I have to double this hand. So deer's gonna have twenty one, and yeah, well. Yeah, I'm. Uh,
0: I'm always very. No matter how lightweight the table is, I'm always very startled at how fast the money goes away. Uh, yeah,
1: so I mean, I- craps can be like that too. If you if you get um, get a few unlucky rolls in a row, but like blackjack is. But I don't know what it is for blackjack for me lately. just every time I play, like I would be so far ahead in casino gambling lately if I didn't play blackjack. <laughs> blackjack is like all my only lot. My lot what I always lose my money in now. I'm just like, okay, it's time to stop playing Blackjack. It's supposed to have the
0: best odds of
1: the three games. I think that's like,
0: I think (laughs) you got to like know something. I mean, maybe you, 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 I feel like people who say that, like understand cards more than I do. I just, I'm playing perfect basic strategy. I don't, I don't even know what that means, which explains okay. why I'm throwing, well, they, my well, money. That, off the well, then you, yeah, then you're just fucking
1: flushing your money down the toilet. I hate to tell you. Uh, but, yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I, I had a feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: But yeah, if you play Perfect Basic Strategy, which is really not that hard to learn, uh, it's like an 0.5% house edge game. Like, it's really low. And it, I my i'm having the worst luck in the world of blackjack for whatever reason like i don't know if i just had really good luck before and it's evening out or what but like look we gotta get you back out there
0: you just gotta keep on that horse and soon you'll have the opportunity again
1: i think this time like i'm like oh maybe covid which i haven't played in so long now maybe maybe this will be my trip for blackjack and i'm just like i'm gonna sit down at one table and if I lose every hand, like, I, like it's been happening in the last few trips, that is the last blackjack I'm playing for two
0: days. Well, you know, they also like... <laughs> they just opened a brand new fancy casino like down the street for me in Philly. It opened during the uh, pandemic, yeah. and maybe I can just go flush my money down the toilet there and have a much cheaper commute back home <laughs> to wallow
1: go. in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it for me, like it's the half is like the gamble. Like, there really is nowhere to like, reason to go there if you don't like gambling and drinking. But like they have a lot of nice bars, and then especially. It's nice, especially after losing money. But you know, winning money, losing money. Hey, to at least know, go back to your home, go back to your tower and have a great view of the beach.
0: How, what's but the longest consecutive uh, period of time you've ever spent in Atlantic City? Uh,
1: I guess it would be three nights because I okay, so not three nights just to gamble though, because there's an anime convention at Atlantic City okay. every year, believe it or not. So I go to the anime next every year. Back when anime cons were a thing. <laughs> And we would always go Thursday to Sunday. So I guess three nights would be the
0: longest I ever spent.
1: So usually I, if I'm going just to gamble, it's either one or two nights because I don't want to spend that much
0: money. So for me, it just just being there was driving me crazy. Because my girlfriend and I spent two and a half days in Atlantic City and like we, we couldn't just come home because we planned it around. My band had a show in Asbury at the end of the weekend. And after like 36 hours in Atlantic City, I was like, I'm going crazy. You gotta get me out of here. Because like she loves the beach. And you, you, if you sit on the beach all day, you just listen to that recorded Guy Fieri ad play over and over. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, not on <honestly>, the <laughs> It was like, like two summers ago, maybe three summers ago now. But I, I think it, it lasted as long as that Guy Fieri like, sandwich stand was at the entrance of one of the casinos. But I, I was sitting on the beach and every three minutes, a Guy Fieri audio ad for his sandwich shop would play. And I wanted to like pull my hair out. It was like the worst beach experience I ever had. (laughs) I was like running out of money so quickly. Uh, Well, apparently because you're not playing blackjack correctly. I know. I should have just Googled (laughs) basic blackjack strategy. (laughs) I remember at one point, like I was walking, I went back inside to grab something and I was walking back out to the beach and I just dropped like 20 bucks in a sex in the city a slot machine, <laughs> and I was like, I've never watched this show once in my life. What the? Like, what am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. What made me there's, do this? There's two things
1: I'm gonna tell. Um, maybe I'm educating the listeners here too. There's two things you should avoid in any casino: slot machines and Kino Those are two things that will take your money faster than anything else in there. So, and keno is like the worst. Kino is. I don't know if you know what Kino is. It's like when you yeah. basically pick numbers, like you're playing the lottery. Except, like, in real time. The climax
0: to the film, National Lampoon's <laughs> Vegas Vacation, takes oh, he place, he wins a Keno, right? yeah.
1: Okay, so <laughs> Keno, I remember how I said Blackjack has, like, a 0.5% house edge, and, you know, slots are really bad, they have, like, a 10% house edge. Keno, I believe, has, like, a 50% house edge. It's, like, oh. five times worse than slots. So I'm just like, okay, don't ever play this, I don't know. No, Keno just like seems my so
0: far-fetched to win... <laughs> In the, yeah, at the moment, like, there's no thrill there. It never feels good. Yeah.
1: I mean, my friend, I have a friend, uh, my friend Ethan, who always insists that his grandmother could never lose a Keno. that they would go to Vegas as kids and she would like win every single time. I'm just like, Ethan, she wasn't telling you about her losses or something because it's yeah. just not, not mathematically possible for yeah. someone Sorry. to
0: always win a keynote. <laughs> Sorry, Ethan. Grandma's full of <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was not telling you about her losses, which I'm sure were many, but. But yeah, so there's a gambling talk, which we somehow spent 15 minutes on. Uh, As a <laughs> I listener, I'm...
0: I would I wish this wasn't me. I wish I could listen to someone else have this conversation. I would love this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing going on, I guess, is the start of the hockey playoffs. Well, speaking of that, dovetails with gambling. I put 50 bucks on the Bruins and 50 bucks on the Panthers to win the Stanley Cup. Not with uh, the website that does not pay me on this network to – advertise for them so i will not advertise i don't get any of that action so i am not plugging them if you listen to any other podcasts on this network you know which one i'm talking about but i'm not going to say their site name because they don't pay me unbelievable
0: Uh, (laughs) especially after this we're gonna earn it (laughs) with
1: the ball the ball ad plays the, the whatever the fuck that's coming back soon they pay me the so go 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 shave your balls or whatever but the, the the gambling site – they're not paying me this week. So, But the gambling site, they do not pay me, so I'm not naming them. No, New Jersey has legalized sports gambling. So, you know, I don't have to use these sketchy sites or whatever the fuck. And, you know, I just asked my dad to go place the bet for me, which, you know, I just saw those – so both my hockey teams are eliminated this year, uh, the Rangers and the Kings. They didn't make the playoffs. It's not really a shocker, although apparently it was a shocker to the owner of the Rangers who fired the president and the GM despite the fact that no one on earth thought they were going to make the playoffs this year. Well, you know, John, fact, I'm are. a
0: lifelong Knicks fan, so I share the disdain <laughs> for the owner. Uh. Yeah, he usually, leaves us, he usually leaves us alone
1: and fucking only bothers you guys. Yep. And now he's like, well, the Knicks are great. They're in fucking fourth place. So that's good. That's as good as to win the title. Time to fix the hockey team that doesn't need to be fixed because they had a great reboot going. He's bored now.
0: He has to go fuck with you guys. So.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, it's just harsh shit. But, yeah, so the Rangers and Kings both not in the playoffs. Um, so I was like, All right, to make this a little more interesting, I'm going to place a couple bets. I did the Bruins and the Panthers because the Bruins are playing the Washington Capitals, who I used to like, but I'm very angry at them right now because of uh, the piece of shit Tom Wilson and what he did to Artelli Panarin on the Rangers uh, oh, right. like towards the end of the, end of the season. And, I, you know, the Bruins, 12-1 to seems like good odds for the Bruins. They're a very good team. And then I put the fifty on the Panthers because it's like, who the fuck thinks the Florida Panthers are going to win the cup? They, they, they haven't won a round since 1996. <laughs> but they're sneaky good. If they can somehow get past Tampa in the first round, which is a big F, I actually kind of like their chances. And it's 18 to 1 for them, so I've been like 900 bucks. So oh, that's cool. yeah. Yeah, so that's a cool bet. But then my, I, my dad calls me and is like, I'm riding with you. And that pretty much is my dad's <laughs> voice. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I put the fucking 50 on both of them, too. I was like, why did you do that? Now I'm going to feel fucking horrible if they both get knocked out in the first round. Is your dad I'm going to feel like I hockey? failed you as a... St- yeah, he watches a oh, lot. I
0: was going to say, if he was just following you blind, <laughs> I love this.
1: No, no, no he, well, he basically is. He basically is. He's just like... Because because last year, uh, you know, I told, I told his friend to bet on Tampa to win the Cup, which, by the way, does not exactly make me prognosticator of the year. Mm-hmm. They're probably the fucking favorites anyway. And he did. I didn't. He did. And neither did my dad. And, and he made money. So now it's like, oh, Johnny, Johnny knows how who's going to win. he got the hot so hand. I'm like, Do you, understand, you understand I made these two bets as, like, quasi-long shots, especially Florida, but even Boston. Like, just to, like, increase my enjoyment in these playoffs, they're not really, like, the most likely teams to win. And he's like, oh whatever. I'm I'm riding with you. Yeah, he just wants the you know, action. Right? He's just in it for the action. Who cares? Him. He is he is uh, a <laughs> he is a, a bigger gambler than me, I will say. So, uh, yeah, he does love those fucking slot machines, and he loves video kino, which is like maybe the one game that's not as bad as the real thing. Because if they have to like use the, the they have to like match the payouts of slot machines or something. So yes, we really have to play kino. You should play video kino. Apparently,
0: hell, so. r- writing this down. <laughs> uh, video Kino. Got it. My next no, you shouldn't play fun. that.
1: If you absolutely have to play Kino, Video Kino is better, but you should really stick to like table games and video poker. Like, those are the best odds uh, in the casino.
0: I used to sit in convenience stores and play, like, the New York Lotto keynote on the little TV screen in the corner. <laughs> you definitely the, shouldn't do that. What do you think of that, John? You have to go to bed. <laughs> definitely, should, definitely should not do that. But anyway, are you, like, are you like a hockey guy at all or no? No, no, I was when I was okay. – I got into hockey briefly when the NBA had a lockout when, years and years ago, but it didn't. it didn't stick. I ran out of time for sports that weren't basketball. But I did. Yeah, I did I, win a fantasy league today, so I'm also oh, I'm raking it in.
1: That's good. Yeah, I have been like I've been a hockey fan for a long time, and I swear, folks, we're gonna get to five matches at some point. Uh, I've been to a hockey fan <laughs> for like a long like I was a hockey fan when I was a little kid, and then I stopped paying attention to it until like 2007. I want to say is when I got back into it, and it's crazy thinking about like how NBC is gonna be done with hockey at the end of the season, like these playoffs. Of your last run.
0: So what's the move? To... Even then, they were only on like the the NBC Sports Network, right? Or were they on?
1: So okay. So when I started watching, Comcast and NBC were still two separate entities, and the NHL had a cable deal with Comcast, who either had just rebranded Outdoor Life Network to Versus, which that was what that was called okay. for a while, and they had a broadcast TV deal with NBC. So those are the two TV deals they had coming out of the the famous 0405 lockout that wiped out the whole season. Right. So they have both those TV deals. And then at some point, Comcast buys NBC. I don't remember exactly what year that was. I want to say 2010 sounds right to me in my head, 2010, 2011. Work, yeah. And then they re-brand versus as NBC Sports Network. And uh, the NHL signs a 10-year deal with them, basically making NBC Sports and, and, and NBC you know, broadcast their exclusive home for like 10 years. So now it expired. First, they signed with ESPN for half the deal, and then I think everybody that happened like back in January, and I think everybody kind of thought NBC was going to take the other half of the deal. But my what I've read on the situation is basically NBC really balked at being asked to pay more money for half the content, basically because they had the whole thing, and the NHL is like, well, we want uh, another three hundred million for you know half the regular season games, half the playoffs, and three out of seven Stanley Cup finals. And NBC was like, fuck you. And so the NHL ended up going with Turner. So three out of seven cup finals will not be on broadcast TV the first time ever. Turner's got which is, the NHL? Did I miss it? Yeah, starting, starting next year. I don't know how you missed that. I know. It's the wrestling. That's it's, it's practically just wrestling news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, wrestling fans are going nuts, wondering if this is going to mean Dynamite has to move or something, which doesn't seem like it. Well, because Wednesday night was always NBC's hockey night, but I don't know if and NBA and the ESPN has the NBA on Wednesdays, but I don't I don't know if NHL yeah, is married to Wednesday nights or anything. So also, like, I, I mean,
0: know. wouldn't you? I guess if you paid for it, you got to you got to you know serve it properly, but wouldn't you prioritize? Dynamite over regular season uh, <laughs> NHL hockey. I don't know. I mean, the ratings are better. Are but
1: the, the ad revenue, the ratings are better for AEW, but the ad revenue is better for the NHL. Okay, oh, I'm, I'm. so I think that's how it works out. But yeah, the NHL, you know, where where the NHL is going to disrupt AEW, I think, is where the AEW gets disrupted already, which is the playoffs. playoffs. Because now, because now your Turner's going to have to schedule the NHL and the NBA playoffs at the same time. You know, even though they only have half of both of them, but will probably get bumped off you Wednesday know, every, like every week during the playoffs, Yeah, right? that's what I... I think, I think during the playoffs they're going to get preempted like every week. That's what I, I do think that's going to happen. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But, you know... But that'll be starting next playoffs, not this playoffs. So this playoffs is the, is the last ride with NBC. And it's just really wild to think about how basically, you know, they, they NBC has had hockey my entire adult life and now it'll be like, uh, you know, I mean, fucking, you know, what, 25 years or whatever the fuck. No, 15 years, not that long. Yeah uh i'm not that old. <laughs> yeah 15 years and you know like 2006 to like you know 2021 and yeah now they're they're not gonna have hockey anymore it's just kind of crazy i don't know
0: if i watched so, a hockey game that wasn't on the msg network <laughs> in <laughs> in 15 years probably <laughs> that's funny because i always watch I, I,
1: yeah because i always watch the playoffs and the playoffs you watch the watch, playoffs I mean, sometimes yeah yeah because like the playoffs are always on NBC, NBC Sports Network, CNBC for some reason, but <laughs> just always you know, kind of <laughs> funny. It's like all these ads for like oh, our normal programming and the primetime. Oh, uh, fucking what? What's the hell is that show that Mark Cuban's on? Shark Tank. Uh, Shark Tank. Yeah, thank oh, you. Not thank not a show to watch. I have to say. But yeah, he's like, oh, Shark Tank. And I'm like, I, do, why do you think like me, the hockey fan, coming to watch your hockey game the stupid network is going to be like, yeah, I'll be
0: tuned in next week for Shark Tank. And I'm the one putting okay. on my daily eight hours of Shark Tank on CNBC and, <laughs> and disappointed that I have the NHL playoffs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. Uh, but yeah, this Florida-Tampa series in the first round, that's the highlight so far because these two teams have both been in the playoffs for are both in the NHL since the early nineties and somehow they've never met in the playoffs. Uh, well, somehow it's not that hard to figure out the mystery because Florida fucking sucked for the last 20 fucking <laughs> 25 years. And uh, Tampa really has had lots of lean periods too. You know, they won the cup twice also, right. but yeah, I mean, this is their first playoff series ever. And both teams are trying to kill each other. So feels very fitting for Florida. Well, you know, and also
0: now I have <laughs> I'm also, I'm just going to live vicariously through your bet. And make that yeah. my rooting interest in the NHL playoffs. Well, they just
1: came to score on Florida's and now it's 3 Tampa. So.
0: Oh, God. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. What do we mean?
1: <laughs> and Boston lost game one to Washington. So, yeah, they both – maybe they'll both go out in the first round and they'll look very stupid. I can always make another bet, though. That's what they always – they always tend to do that, Chase uh, – Chase good money after bad. It's a great thing to do in gambling. Well, make sure your so, dad's on the make, level, make, too. Don't leave your dad behind <laughs> on these catch-up bets. <laughs> make another bet in a second round. All right, we should finally get to some wrestling. So, 26 minutes in, here's some professional wrestling. This is like a flagship episode. Uh, we're going to talk about five matches. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Because, basically, you were... So, I asked you to come on this weekend to discuss New Japan Pro Wrestling grand slam in Yokohama and all japan champions night two shows that i'm sure in an alternate universe are great but they didn't happen because of the the new state of emergency in tokyo uh which got extended as many people thought it would so i was like hey do you want to come do a five matches instead and you were like yes so that's what we did uh i will also quickly plug the patreon so with japanese wrestling doing nothing next week. I mean, literally nothing. I, I, maybe there's some stuff, but certainly nothing, uh, high end. I am taking a week off from doing the podcast free feed or Patreon for the first time in probably a million years. Uh, I'm still going to do audio on the Patreon. We're doing an awesome one match series right now at Tanahashi versus night uh, watching all those matches in order. All the ones that made tape because there are actually a bunch early on that didn't make tape or not that ma- they made tape, but there's no footage because they're not in New Japan. Wall, are you up to the five minute I match? Un- yet? I just did the five I, minute match, which is I so, love, which is so I awesome. Love the match. Yes. <laughs> so that's the latest one on there right now for you to, for you to go listen to uh, on the Patreon, which I loved it as well. That's from the 2011 G1. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that will be, we'll still be doing that. So it's not like I'm taking time off and doing audio completely. But if you're listening to this on the free feed right now. Uh, you will not hear me again for three weeks because next week I'm taking off completely. The week after that, the last week in May, uh, I will be doing a Patreon exclusive episode uh, with returning guest Joey Bay, and we'll be doing a Best of the Super Junior final retro roulette since end of May, early June is usually Super Junior time. So we'll be picking uh, five random Best of Super Junior finals. So that should be a lot of fun. So if you want to hear that, you have to sign up for the Patreon. If you want to hear me at all, and after 26 minutes of bullshit, how could you live without me? Uh, you have to sign up for the Patreon. Otherwise, it'll be three weeks from now uh, when I'll be back on the air. And I can't tell you what the episode's going to be about. I haven't planned anything for June yet. Kind of have to figure out if Japanese wrestling is going to be happening in June. You know, uh, It looks like it will, but who the fuck knows at this point. Uh, but yeah, so June will be back on the free feed three weeks from now. Uh, if you want to hear me in the meantime, again, Tanahashi versus Naito, every match in order. We're doing two of those a week. Uh, they've been a lot of fun to do already and you know, we'll be getting into all sorts of cool stuff. I mean, the next one I'm, I'm doing is, uh, the title match from 2011, which I'm excited to go back and watch. Uh, that'll be probably on Tuesday. So that'll be probably be coming out on the Patreon then. And then we'll be doing, you know, like I said, two a week. So those will continue. Uh, but yes, no episode at all next week. Patreon exclusive episode, best of super junior, uh, retro roulette in two weeks. And then we'll be back here on the free feed in three weeks. So if you want to hear me talk, which if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to this right now, uh, it's patreon.com slash Omakase. Only $5. Gets you all of our audio, plus everything I've ever done, which I've done, you know, one match series on Tanahashi and Okada, all the all of those matches in order, all the Naito Ishii matches in order, uh, matches submitted by patrons, and we get all sorts of wacky shit. I mean, I've done everything from uh, Takashita versus the blow-up doll, Yoshihiko and DT, I've done battle arts matches. We did this match a couple weeks ago uh, from the Futen promotion. That was just insane to talk about. Like if you ever seen Shibata do those shoot and head butts? they did like 15 of them in a row. It was just like, oh, yeah. I don't know how yeah. these people didn't kill each other. <laughs> but yeah. So that, that was so really, really crazy. So all sorts of stuff is on the Patreon. Plus every Tokyo Dome main event in order. We got all the way up to 95. Uh, we'll be restarting that whenever new Japan announces their next Tokyo Dome show. So, again, all that stuff is up there right now. G1s, Champion Carnivals, all sorts of shit. Patreon.com slash Wrestling Omikase. $5 a month. Uh, I dare I dare say it will be the best $5 you spend. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, what else are you spending $5 on? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like fucking $5. It's like, I, can't, I don't even think you can get, like, a Starbucks for that. That's anymore.
0: not even the minimum bet on the Sex in the City <laughs> slot machine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so let's get into these five matches. Your first pick was a match by the name of, uh, Desuke Masaoka and Violento Jack from the November 13th, 2017 Freedom Show. The event is called Heal Don't Think 2017, which might be the best, like, recurring show. Because I, I was scrolling through these shows on IWTV, which I always forget that they're on there. Although they don't seem to have anything recent, it seems like it ended in 2020. They like, like
0: there's like a certain amount of time. Like they just added some newer stuff, but there's some. I think it's like a, a year has to pass. Well, it's already 2021, so I don't know. But they, they do keep adding stuff. But there's some gap that has to pass. I
1: say. I say. Um, but yeah, so this show, I mean, I'm scrolling through the show and I'm like, oh, there's Heel Don't Think 2018.
0: It's apparently a whole series of Heel Don't Think Oh yeah, shows. my favorite is, what is it? I think there's one that's like, we love freedoms. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we hell love yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so this was the main event of this show from Corken Hall. A glass board and no canvas ring death match for the King of Freedoms world title. Uh, Masuoka was the defending champion here. Why did you pick this match? This um,
0: legitimately might be... One of my favorite matches of all time, and I didn't really uh, like actively follow Freedoms till a little later after this when Takeda takes the belt from Jack. Um, so I recently went back and like you know watched the prior couple of years before that because I I dig Freedoms a bunch. And this match, like no one really Violento Jack's been in the um, he's been in the tag team that's had that had the tag belts for like almost two years with Mammoth Sasaki and. Sheldon mentioned, by the way, he's
1: an actual luchador. Yeah. Like, he's not, a, he's not a Japanese wrestler, which I had no idea until I looked him up. Because I was like, wow, this guy owns him. I look up more about him. It's like, oh, he's Mexican. That's yeah, cool. Does he... he wrestle for Zona or anything? Or what the fuck, the, the garbage? Yeah, I at least kind of assumed that. But I've, I've never, never really mentioned.
0: looked at what he did before he was in Japan. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. But he seems to be, like, full-time Yeah, Japan dude,
0: he, now. like, speaks fluent Japanese, I think, now. Or at least it sounds uh-huh. that way to someone who doesn't speak Japanese. <laughs> he speaks <laughs> confident Japanese one way or another. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I know, and uh, he and uh, and Masaoka are, like, you know, people don't really bring them up in the, uh, in that, like, list of, like, can't-miss Deathmatch. Like, those guys that people who don't watch Deathmatch go out of their I way for.
1: Like I, I feel like I've seen Jack mentioned by Deathmatch fans. I don't know if I've ever seen Masaoka. But
0: I think they, they deserve to be in that, like, that tier of guys that people who don't watch Deathmatch respect, like Kadaka and Takeda and Kasai. Like, I think, like, these, like, to me, I see death matches, like, this spectrum where there's, like, dudes like Kobayashi who are just gross out who can't wrestle at all. And, like, on the other end is, like, I don't know, like, Takeda who could do anything and and be one of the best wrestlers in the world. And, like, these two are, like, right in that sweet spot where they're, like, way closer to Takeda, uh, I think. And, uh, yeah, this match rocks. And and Jack doesn't do a lot of cool – he's been in the Freedoms, like, tag team division, which, as you could probably imagine – like isn't that stacked or uh, or can't miss, you know? And uh he's had a match he had a match this year with Kobayashi in the in like the big Japan death match tournament. So he's like back in like the the death match works again and Masaoka just came back from an injury, but this match uh just rules and it does this thing where like I like with with death matches, right? Uh to me all that like glass and blood and crap, it's just another way to like escalate a match if you don't just, you know, use it for shock value alone. And I think this match escalates like so perfectly, like picture perfectly. Like we're going to talk about a Bret Hart match later. And I think this match like times its escalation just as perfectly as that Bret Hart match does.
1: Yeah. I mean, these two both like they, they are both just seem like good wrestlers who happen to do death matches, death matches, you know, which, um, you know, they do some like, Oh, by the way, so I don't know. I don't know if uh, this is a normal thing. I've never seen a match like this. With no canvas, and just seeing them on the wood, which is you know just see a bunch of wooden Mm. boards basically, is really jarring. I have to say, like it's like what? Oh yeah,
0: and I love that you have. If you look at uh, Toru Segiro, who's the champ now, is like running around replacing the boards as they knock them out of place. The whole match, he's like trying to slide them back into place so nobody gets hurt. And uh, like watching them flop up like that, like I can only think of. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton, but I can only think of one other big match like that. There was there was a. takeda kasai match the next year that was like the same thing with like boards flopping everywhere but yeah and that's the thing too you know you always hear wrestlers talk about like how that canvas is like deceiving and it really just feels like you're taking bumps on wood which is like another really cool thing about the trick of just lifting the canvas it probably doesn't even feel all that different but it looks brutal
1: yeah and you know like the they do a really good job in this match. They they start without some chain wrestling, which I always get a kick out of. I always get a kick out of watching deathmatch guys do that in a deathmatch anyway. But somehow it's even cooler just on the wood, like doing chain wrestling yeah, on the wood. That first sequence uh, is so great. Yeah, and then you know the then they like they tease for a little bit like what the first slam on the wood will be. They build it up to it pretty nicely. Like there's a there's a spot where Jack almost hip his Dice Guy coming off the ropes but Daisuke manages to land on his feet. That was really cool. But then Jack finally does give him this big scoop slam on there. Um, But yeah, there's all sorts of cool stuff. The only thing, um, you know, there was a really sick spot like right before the part I'm about to bitch about where uh, (laughs) Jack does this huge DDT, like leaps off the second turnbuckle to drive Daisuke's head first onto the exposed wood on the apron. That was such a sick spot. The only thing I didn't love about this match was I thought the crowd brawling and stuff seems really tame compared to the rest of the match. Like, oh, here's Jack sending Dicecase head into the east sign as per tradition. Uh, you know, it got pretty dull for me from the time they were crowd brawling until they like first got back in the ring. Just felt like there wasn't much happening, especially for a yeah. death match.
0: But after that, it really picks. Well, right up. after that, that that sequence. So when I sent it over to you, uh, I hadn't watched it in ages. And the first time I watched it again was about no, no, two hours ago. And they do the crowd brawl and you know, the crowd brawl's a drag. And then they get back in and it's immediately followed by like the worst looking surfboard. Uh, and when that sequence is happening, I was like, Oh no, is this match actually not good? Was I, <laughs> but it, it picks back up right after that.
1: <laughs> I always have that fear when I, I pick a match, that I haven't watched in forever. I'm like, Oh, uh, but yeah, Daisuke does this really big acai moonsault to Jack on the floor. Very nice moonsault. Um there's this like spot where Daisuke like pulls some light tubes out from under the ring. Jack starts trying to do a dive to the floor, he gets hit with the light tubes in dice Dais- that Dice is holding in midair air just as he starts throwing through the ropes, but he no sells it, uh, bounces back on the ropes and does a perfect Tope on Hilo to Daisuke on the floor anyway. So that was amazing. Sick. I have
0: that written down, like I have that sequence written down part for part in, in my notes here. So good, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and then Jack hits like this light tube assisted Uranage of sorts, and like you know, Daisuke just like falls down the light tube as he lands. That gets a very close near fall. Uh, and then Jack sets up a glass board with a bunch of beer cans glued to it, which I don't know what that was about, but that was cool. Uh, he peels back like a whole bunch of the boards. He sets the beer can glass board up in their place, and then it gives Daisuke a fucking package power driver through it all the way. Into the bottom of the in the bottom of the ring,
0: absolutely. And you know what the best part is? Right before that, uh, they have this sequence where they struggle that ends in the superplex on the on the corner there, um, and like that whole sequence is like so intense and nothing like. I always have a hard time watching people do that like struggle on the turnbuckle because it always looks so cooperative to me. No matter how good they are, I thought that sequence looked so great. And when Jack finally gets the superplex, uh. Uh, Masaoka's back's already been bleeding so much and he lands on a little bit more glass and when Jack is going to set up the piece of glass with the Coke cans on it over the hole in the ring uh, Masaoka rolls over and he just leaves this gnarly puddle of blood like, right in the middle of the ring and like that's what's like he's rolling around in his this newly formed puddle of blood while you're waiting for Jack to set up the next spot it's it, it's so good
1: yeah Uh, Jack then, he brings Daisuke back in the ring, but somehow Daisuke kicks out. (laughs) I was like, okay. Uh, He then counters a military press by Vianto Jack into a double knees to the face in midair. Like, that was... First of all, that would be an amazing spot for any human beings to do in a wrestling match at all, but for these two guys to do it, after everything they've done, you know, they just went through a fucking hole in the ring through glass, they're bleeding profusely, and they're like, yeah, let's do this perfect counter. Like, that could have gone wrong uh-huh. so easily. And they managed to pull it off perfectly, despite both being covered in blood. Uh, that was just amazing. And it gets another 2.9 count. Uh, Daisuke then gives Jack a shining wizard that sends him through the hole. That was awesome.
0: He gives him a Meteora off the top rope to Jack, standing the in the time hole. I saw that, in the ring. I, like, put my hand over my heart and gasped. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I was, was like, that's, like, the moment for me when he does the Meteora into the hole. Ugh.
1: It is crazy. And then back in the ring, he gives him a swine, continuing the Shima tribute, I guess, and then goes up for another Meteora, but Jack blocks it by holding onto him and then just fucking drops him with a powerbomb, breaking more boards in the process. Uh, He covers... Like, this was a really stiff powerbomb. He covers but only gets a one count, so he just slaps him in the face over and over again. Daisuke comes back with headbutts, suddenly like a fucking, uh, you know... I don't know, like a strong style match is broken out here. Jack No Cells hits a huge kick and a lariat for yet another near fall. He finally hits another package piledriver on the boards, and that's the pin. Uh, amazing finish! I love that. Just like started just doing fucking slaps and lariats and stuff. That was so great. Uh, match absolutely fucking rolled. You know, I had to take points off for like the middling middle period that could have cut out completely, but it's still an easy yep. four and a half stars. And they pulled out all the stops here. This yep. was awesome. Easy. Like, if you're not, this is one of those matches, again, like the Takeda match that Takeda matches people talk about, even if you don't normally like death matches, if you can handle the blood, you will like this match.
0: Yeah, and there's these little details to it, too, because, you know, like, like, so there's the one part, the part before Jack catches him on his shoulders and power bombs him on the boards, it's one of those moments where, like, it seems like they didn't time things right, and Jack has to wobble around for too long, and, you know, I begin to groan at that, but then it works perfectly because he took too long and Jack catches him and reverses him. Like every time the match is doing something that I think isn't perfect, they fix it. And the other thing I love about it, every time the two, the two times they go down in the hole, the first time when Jack does the, um, the package power bomb through the glass in the hole, they lie down there for a while. And this like perfect cheesy spot right after he just lifts his bloody fist out of the hole and the crowd goes wild for it. It's like, such perfect like action movie bullshit for a match like this and the same thing kind of happens later when masaoka does the meteora into it and he comes out first and the crowd pops for that uh just just well i, I mean like my my brain wants to give it four and a half because there's problems but my my heart is screaming for a five on this one i just love <laughs> the ending so much
1: there you go So You could just flip the difference and say four and three quarters.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'll do that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. That's our first match. Match number two uh, was my first pick. It's uh, Kazuyuki Fujita versus Katsuro Shibata from New Japan, July 19th, 2004. So this is Fujita's one and only title defense from his second reign as champion. He defeated Tanahashi on June 5th, 2004 in Osaka to win the vacated title. Uh, which was vacated by Bob Sapp. I think after he lost some MMA match or something. k one match, whatever the fuck. Who cares? He lost some fucking <laughs> real fight and and they made him vacate the title. Uh, I think he may have lost to Fujita, actually. So it was weird they made Fujita, uh, you know, be win a pro wrestling match to win the title, but whatever.
0: Was um, he hurt or were they just like... I think he I just didn't.
1: Tell- they were just like, well, he lost a few fights, so fuck off. Right, basically. okay. And he was hard to work with anyway, I think, is the general yeah. idea. So, you know, he did not want to do jobs, really. I mean, none of those, none of these MMA guys did. There's, so, okay. So, Fujita makes his, he wins the title, makes his one defense. Do you remember the match he lost the belt in?
0: Uh, I do, I've never seen it, but I know because you, of you who he loses it, is, right? it to. It's, it's yes. the, the three-way with Lesnar.
1: No, no, no. That's the oh, no. that's his that's his third right. Amazingly, they gave him oh.
0: another fucking
1: title right after this. All oh, right. This is only 2004, four. right? Oh, he yeah. okay. lost the belt to Kensuke Sasaki on October 9th at Sumo Hall in the infamous 2 minute and 29 second main event where Sasaki... Fujita had a choke on Sasaki. Fujita falls backwards. Sasaki pins him because Fujita won't let go of the choke. And that's the pin. Sasaki wins the title. It is really not an exaggeration to say this almost killed the company. Because the company was already kind of like, you know, not doing well anyway. And like... I've read that there was almost a riot in Sumo Hall when that happened. People were, like, fucking fed up. And, yeah, this was, like, you know, if, if one match was going to kill the company, this that might have been it. I mean, that really was, like, a big fucking deal. Like, the, it was a huge controversy in the press. I mean, just people were outraged. You um, know, it's, it's funny, too. Maybe, look, look, I just want to say this. Maybe this is why they're so – because people are like, why is New Japan uh, so obsessed with doing 30 to 40-minute main events? But one time they did a two and a half minute main event, they almost the company almost died. So Yeah, they, they
0: started. started a riot. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, 30. We'll go 30. <laughs> yeah, no, and also like Fujita, so like this period of New Japan is a total blind spot to me. I know the reputation, I know the whole Nokiism thing. There's there's um there's matches from this period I've watched, but like Fujita to me, like I was a big MMA nerd out of high school. I know Fujita as a shoot fighter you know who like i know like fujita as the guy who would get beat half to death and pull it out so like so as yeah, a wrestler Ironhead. Ironhead yeah is the that's the whole game. thing yeah yeah um you know going against like fedor and stuff uh so as a wrestler you know it was always like a repeat like i know i've seen way more old guy fujita for yeah. wrestling matches than i have from this period because um, it's
1: funny because in pro wrestling, he doesn't do that at all. He just, like, he doesn't sit, take a ton of punishment when he just kills people in pro wrestling. No, it's the, it's the total yeah. opposite. Yeah. And also,
0: like, when you look back at what, like, people he beat in MMA when he's young, he's the only people he's beating are the other pro wrestlers who aren't supposed to be there. Well, yeah. that's not true. He's got a couple good wins. He beat, like, Mark Kerr. Um, but yeah, no, I used to, like, I used to be, like, super, I got into MMA, like, in the dying days of Pride, and I was, like, obsessed with finding old Pride DVDs. So yeah. that's, like, what Fujita is to me.
1: Yeah. But in the middle of that reign, there's this awesome fucking match with Sapporo in July. But yeah, I mean, like that, this reign uh, was, you know, ended really, really badly because Regina didn't want to lose a real match. So that's what they did to get out of it. And they're like, here you go, buddy. Here's the title again. And then he loses it in that three way match where, you know, Lesnar pins Chono instead of him. Which, you know, compared to this, that's uh, no big deal, I guess. But I think his first reign, his first reign, he vacates it. So he never got pinned. For this title, well, no, he okay, he did get pinned. He gets quote unquote pinned, but he never got like really beat, you know. For this title, it was like the first reign he vacates it. The second rain, he f- falls himself down, choking the guy in two minutes. And the third rain, he lo- he doesn't get pinned in the three way. So he's like, always okay. been this way. There's yeah, not- <laughs> I mean, the job he did for Shugera was like the cleanest job of his career. I mean, I love Fujita. I don't don't take this as me bad math in Fujita, but he that's part of his. Lore is he. He does not want to do jobs in wrestling matches, which is, you know, fair enough. I honestly think we need more people that need that don't want to do jobs because <laughs> in a lot of ways, modern wrestling is too boring when it comes to that because everybody's willing to put everybody else over, and it's like, like come on. I think it's about a, that
0: sometimes. Like, would we give a shit about these Fujita matches if he was willing to take losses on a regular basis? Exactly.
1: I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's too many wrestlers who are too willing to lose to everybody. It's like I don't, I don't like. We need more more selfish wrestlers. There you go. Yeah,
0: yeah. The the the, <laughs> the, the 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 most lauded period of wrestling is when everyone was an asshole in a dirtbag.
1: Yeah, let's bring that
0: back. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I also kind
1: of thought of this one because we got Shibata Ishii on the Tokyo Dome Retro Roulette last week, so that made me think of Shibata, obviously, and Fujita. Uh, you know, had, has kind of been the news lately too from his very short but very awesome GHC National Title reign. Uh, so let's go back here to peak Ironhead. Uh, Shibata here. Yes, okay. So Shibata looks a little heavier, for sure less cut, than the form he would appear in later on. Uh, yeah. He's 24 years old here. He's about to turn 25 in November. He's also soon to depart the company uh, for his infamous time away. Uh, about almost exactly four months later, he'd have his last match in New Japan at the time, a losing effort to Tenru uh in the Osaka Dome. He goes freelancer after that and he returned for one match uh january 4th 2006 to beat hiroshi tanahashi for some reason there's like shibata you left you left this high and dry. come beat tanahashi it's okay he beats tanahashi at the tokyo dome that's classic inoki booking i guess because inoki was like are you an outsider the way vince is with the old people that's inoki outsiders like are you an outsider or do you have a name of mma would you like to come beat my entire roster Please, please do. but never And never ever, the roster never ever gets any payback on you. Let's go. Please come beat my roster. Uh, but yeah, so he beats Tanahashi uh, January 4th or at the Tokyo Dome. And that's it for him in New Japan uh, until he makes his big return as an outsider again alongside Sakuraba uh, in September 2012. In fact, he did not do any pro wrestling at all for almost exactly five years. So he did Uh, His last match was December 30th, 2006 for the super-obscure Uwai Station, which is the short-lived and little-known follow-up to Big Mouth Loud by the same ex-New Japan executive, uh, Fumihiko Uwai. Um, So Shibata beats MMA crossover, uh, apparently trained by Takata, uh, Kazuhiro Haminaka? Haminaka, I think. Uh, Five years later, December 31st, 2011, he and Sakuraba beat another MMA crossover, uh, Atsushi Sawada and a former sumo rakishi, uh, Shinichi Suzukawa, and uh, a co-promoted IGF uh, Dream Show, the New Year's Eve show. Which obviously, you know, he had a fa- that was the five years apart. There is his lo- largely failed MMA career. Yeah, uh, and then Shibata went back into hiding after that December twenty eleven match, and then finally shows back up in New Japan the following September. Basically, stays the re- stays there the rest of his career mostly part time until he finally goes full-time again. Uh, Fujita here is 33. That's jarring. He's like one of these guys who I've gotten used to just looking really old, and he does not look old at all here. Um, he's still got some time left in this New Japan run. You know, his, his final match of the promotion is over a year later, in October uh for this run. Although he does take a long hiatus from November 04 to uh, June 05. Uh, like Shibata, he'd be gone from pro wrestling entirely for a while. He doesn't reemerge until he shows up in the IGF in August 2011. He stayed in the IGF exclusive for the next seven years. Uh, he doesn't do any matches at all in 2016, weirdly. But other than that, he's like IGF from like 2011 to 2018. Uh, he leaves to do a couple freelance shows with Big Japan and All Japan in 2018. And then finally, he started with NOAA in 2019, in the part-timer role, he does like eight matches a year. I think most people know and love by now. You better love it. He's awesome, Noah. <laughs> uh, fun fact, though, he also does three matches a year in 2019 and 2020. One so far this year for Real Japan Pro Wrestling. I had no idea until Ooh. I looked it up on his cage match. Uh, he held something called the Real Japan Legends title for 455 days. Uh, he won it from Super Tiger September 29th, 2019. He made one defense against Masato uh December fifth, twenty nineteen, and then he lost it back to Super Tiger, December seventeenth, twenty twenty. Is this so like senior tour? Is <laughs> yeah, like, that's uh, like a yeah, senior yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, no, 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 no. That's promising. Masters. This is sort of like a senior tour,
0: but it's also I mean like that belt specifically.
1: Si- oh yeah, I guess so. This is a Sayama promotion that oh. like never never makes tape. Always claims like sellout crowds of eighteen hundred at Cork and, uh which I'm sure are totally real. But yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's a totally legitimate business here, real Japan. <laughs> uh, but yes, so there's your Fujita and Shibata history.
0: So in in this period here, um, where is Shibata like in the hierarchy of things? I, honestly, the old, b- before Shibata like leaves to do MMA, I know like you know I know the Noah stuff with Kenta, and very I, I've seen very. By the way, Shibata you sound
1: from... you sound a little quiet again. I don't know if you got further away from your mic or something.
0: Oh, did I fix it?
1: Okay, you sound better
0: now. Okay, sorry about that. I leaned back. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so with with um, with Shibata, like, uh, I, you know, I know the stuff, the tag team with Kenta and Noah right before he splits for MMA. Where does he sit, like, in the hierarchy of New Japan in 2004? So he was
1: pushed, like, he was briefly pushed as, like, one-third of a New Three Musketeers with Tanahashi and Nakamura. Right. So they clearly have big plans for him, but he was always kind of, like, the third-ranked guy of those three for sure. And, you know, he had, like, runs in the heel stables in the Kai Club. And I think at this point, he's in Black New Japan. I'm almost positive, which is, like, the Chono heel stable. Right. So I think the way they were presenting him, and I'm going based on memory here, so this could be wrong, but I think the way they were presenting him was as, like, like Chono's younger protégé, basically, like, the, the next, like, Black New Japan guy. You know, because Black, as in, like... So Chono's whole thing was like, he, he had NWO Japan Team right. Wolf. He had team 2000 and then he had black new Japan. And then eventually just black. Whereas like, he was always the, you know, on the heel side of the ledger, of new Japan. They always had the, uh, you know, the heel stable. And like, he was kind of being presented as the, the Chono uh, disciple. And it was always a weird fit to me because it's like, obviously what Shibata became later when he came back to new Japan, made way more sense for him. Like the straight ahead, I'm just a wrestler. I'm just gonna kick people's asses guy. Yeah. And they wanted him to be like, you know, this new top heel guy. and never seemed to make sense to me, like, why he was the new top heel guy. And I get it because they thought Nakamura and Tanahashi... Like, they thought Tanahashi was the new Muto and they thought Nakamura was the new Hashimoto. That's basically right. how they tried to present sense. it. And Yeah. And Nakamura was... Just, they ended up sort of making Nakamura the heel guy instead at the, in the years that followed. Where even before Chaos, he had... He joined Chono in black and then he had rise, which were kind of heelish, but not, I mean, they were more like, like a neutral unit, especially since GBH were the heels, but then obviously then he turns on them and uh, forms chaos with the other people, GBH and 09. And it's very much like, okay, he is the top heel. Uh, you know, he, he kind of would drift more and more away from that as time went on anyway. But that was kind of like, the, he made more sense in that role to me than Shibata. Shibata was like, you know he they at uh, this time he's like still being groomed, I guess, for that spot, but it just it never seemed to click to me.
0: See, and that's funny so. too because this match in a vacuum without any of that context, it just feels like a younger version of the same old Shibata. Like, this is this, this yeah. match went exactly how I imagined it would go. <laughs>
1: yes, and it's like he that's why to me it never was going to work for him as like, like a new top heel guy. But yeah, the match, you know, they they do like a lot of cool like MMA mat wrestling, which if you're not into that, I could see not. I could see you thinking the early portion of this match is kind of boring, but I enjoyed it. Uh, you know Shibata. There's this really cool counter where Fujita tries to get a choke back in the ring, but Shibata reverses it into like the sudden sto, but like in a really, really natural looking way. Yeah, that was like a really cool counter. Uh, he goes like straight into a headlock from there. But and this match, by the way, is only like what 14 minutes. I think it's, it's really less. short. I
0: think the entire runtime oh. with the intros is like 13:30.
1: Yeah, so maybe like 11 minutes. Uh, he goes like straight into a headlock. Fujita makes the ropes to break. But instead of letting go, Shibata just moves his arms down to his waist. Bad refereeing, I have to say. I always say that. Uh, <laughs> hits, a, hits a big German suplex. Just fucking drops Fujita on his head. And Shibata gets right back to his headlock. Uh, acts like he's going to go for a dragon suplex. Fujita breaks the grip. And Shibata e- hits an, immediately hits an even sicker German. This time, really drops him right on his head uh reapplies the sleeper again such a sick sequence and then he hits this running pk for a two count Then just kicks fujita right in the head again uh you know just keeps booting at him at that point and you know he does do like fujita finally does fujita Fu, Fu, Fu gets pissed basically and just unloads on shibata with these big overhead punches and knees uh the only thing that sucks about this little sequence is his big kick to the end to the head at the end seems like it actually kind of missed but they still sell it like Shibata's out, so whatever. You mean we, like the very
0: here. last one?
1: Not the not the very last one to match it, the very last one this little Oh, sequence. that sequence, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Shibata gets back up at eight, so Fujita hits this big spine buster, and then hits a kick to the head again that sure as fuck hit, did not yeah, miss. that's so, what I, I was
0: like. Uh, I was like, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it hit. <laughs> yeah.
1: All the, other, all the rest of them hit. Maybe he made <laughs> extra sure after that point. Uh, the fans do start chanting for Shibata as he stands back up, uh, but he eats a straight punch from Fujita, more super hard knees, kicks to the head in the mat. I mean, this dude is just fucking unloading on him. Uh, the referee backs Fujita off for another knockout tease, but uh, Shibata just won't stay down. And then Fujita hits another pair of knees. We get yet another knockout tease. The crowd chants for Shibata some more. And then this time, Fujita just doesn't want to wait for him to get up. Uh, he just fucking fucks him up with yet more knees and kicks. We get the 10-minute call. Fujita fucks Shibata up even more with another super hard kick to the skull. Uh, plays to the crowd and gets a mixed reaction, and Shibata stays down. That's the finish uh, for the ten count. Fujita wins by knockout. So I can, like I said, I can see some people not liking this if they don't like the anime style mat work or just can't stomach uh, Fujita's very physical offense. But I fucking love this match. This ruled. It was pretty much ruled just as far as I remembered. Uh, Fujita does take some hard kicks from Shibata too, and some very hard suplexes on his skull. So you can't say he doesn't take it, just like he dishes it out. Uh, but boys, he it the fuck out too. Yeah, that's for sure. We, uh, by okay. the time it's over, you really can't blame Shibata for staying for going down. Fujita looks like an absolute monster. Of course, the payoff for said monster's being loss was so bad it almost killed the company. But what can you do? Uh, this rolled four and a quarter stars.
0: You know, uh, in the very beginning, right before they go into the mat work, the very like the very first couple seconds where they're just decking each other in the face, and then Shibata hits that backdrop driver. Like, right at the beginning, I was... I'm not used to... I'm not used to watching Fujita get dropped on his head like that. And like you said, he gets dropped on his head twice more after that. Um, And also, you know, one detail I really liked about this is Shibata does sell everything Fujita does. Like, it's total death. Like, uh, Shibata... I don't think you
1: had to to sell that
0: much. Yeah, I know, I know. Honestly, I I have... (laughs) um, On the very last kick, like, the, the last one before the 10 count... I was like, that noise couldn't have come from boot on face contact, right? And I kept rewinding it, like, please, <laughs> like please, <laughs> the noise has to be coming from somewhere else. <laughs> it's like the sickest thud, that last kick in the head. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, uh, Fujita gets dropped right on his neck like three times. That's sick. And honestly, his comebacks, like like Shibata will go on these big runs. The one, like you said, with that like Sto and the PK. He, like, does this great buildup, and then uh, I think that one ends with Vegeta just kneeing him in the body once, and he just goes down. He does a great job making Vegeta look like a total monster. Um, and then down the stretch, they're hitting these punches that just, like, shoot punches again. Uh, this was sick. And I didn't even think, like, there was, there was the grappling stretches, and, like, that's to be expected with these two. And I had really anticipated them being a lot longer than they were a lot. Like once this gets going, it is a snuff film. Uh, I'm probably in the same, like four, four and a quarter range. This is sick.
1: There you go. Uh, so people need to stop bad mouth of Vegeta. He, he was awesome when he wanted to be awesome, but he didn't want to be awesome. He put a sleeper hold on and laid on the mat. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So match number three was your second pack. So, oh boy, uh, Chris Hero, Necro Butcher and Super Dragon versus Samoa Joe, Adam Pearce, and BJ Whitmer, uh The ROH versus CW tag, April 22nd, 2006, uh, from the 100th show in Philadelphia. So when you first picked this, you asked me if I was here. And I was like, ah, I think so. But You just put it as the ROH versus CW tag. So I did not think of what the actual match was. And then I looked at the participants and saw Super Dragon's name. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course I was there. This is the infamous Super Dragon tries to pull me over the barricade by my hair show. Uh, which I've told that story down here a million times, but I guess we'll tell it again. Uh, so during the course of this match, which is just, just this crazy brawl, uh, Super Dragon had kept. First of all, you can see me in the fr- in the front row if you look here. And I was honestly like, "Wow, I was skinny twenty 20- fifteen years ago." <laughs> You're like this is probably the absolute skinniest I was in my entire life. No one should ever have to
0: look <laughs> at themselves on video fifteen years yeah. ago. It's not right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was like this. So I'm like, I'm, ex- I'm. I'm like 19, I'm 19 years old here. And I'm looking at myself, uh, you know, with this, I have, first of all, my hair is dyed black instead of brown, which uh, I always hit, like cringe when I see that from back in the day. I'm the skinniest I've ever been, which, you know, just made me be like, well, I got to lose some weight. Uh, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> and, you know, I'm standing there in this like black and white striped shirt for some reason. I'm like, why am I wearing a collared shirt to ring a honor? I don't understand why I, why I did that uh like i must have had wrestler shirts like what do i think i was too cool for that at this point i don't really understand you were dressed to the Uh, nines
0: for that crowd yeah
1: (laughs) it was really do you did you see me in the audience did you
0: so there's there's one show i think i messaged you about like back when i first watched it i've only ever spotted you very clearly once and you're fucking with Jay lethal uh you're like getting Jay lethal's face at a different show this one, I was going to ask, there's a part where people are blocking someone in the crowd. Is that when Super Dragon was fucking with you? I think it might have been. Okay, So Samoa,
1: Samoa Joe, what, the way you can see me on camera very clearly is Samoa Joe, especially if you know what Quinlan looks like, because Quinlan, so I showed Nicole this uh this match, you know, she just to show, see what I, you know, here's me on tape from 15 years ago, and she was like, holy shit, Quinlan looks exactly the same. <laughs> I do not mean that as an insult to Quinlan. I would It'd be great to look exactly the same as you look 15 years later, but he always gets like, he is a man in his mid thirties who always gets carded for everything. Like I, he's gotten carded for like R rated movies before where it's like, you have to be 17 for that, obviously. And it's because he still looks exactly the same. He looks like he's, you know, fucking 19 years old. I mean, what a gift, you know, I mean, it, what a gift. A g- he acts, he acts like it's a fucking burden. I'm like, motherfucker. You're going to be, uh, like, you look exactly the same 15 years later. That's not a fucking burden. Anyway, so, yes, Quinlan looks exactly the same. So if you know what Quinlan looks like, uh, you'll be able to spot me immediately because I'm next to Quinlan. But yes, I recognized Quinlan before I recognized me because I looked that different and Quinlan looks exactly the fucking same. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Samoa Joe walked right past us at one point. We were in the front row as, as I often was at uh, these Ring of Honor shows during this period. So you know, the Nicole was asking me like, "How did you get front row for every show?" And I was like, "Well, you just had to be there at the last show, and they put them on sale." That's all I was doing. Because this is like before they went to Ticketmaster or anything, they would just you you were at the last Philly show. They would say, "Our next Philly date is blah blah blah. Tickets on sale now at the uh, concession at the merchandise stand," and you went and bought the tickets. That's that's it. I mean, you know, it's not really that. Because people always used to be like, "How do people get these front row tickets?" It was like. He said to go to the last show, that's it. I mean, it wasn't like some really difficult thing. Um, but anyway, so we, so so yeah, so Mojo walked right past us. So you can, that's when you can definitely see me at one point. So the Super Dragon thing. So Super Dragon was an asshole, first of all. At one point you can see him uh, fighting with some other fans, I think, and almost like physically assaulting him. The camera did catch that. The camera did not catch my thing, thankfully. Okay, so that part
0: uh, you're talking about is the part that I was wondering was you. Because there's, like, two fans that are, like... It seems like they're blocking someone behind them who Super Dragon did something know. to.
1: Maybe that was me. I don't even know. But, yeah, you can see two fans yelling yelling at Super Dragon. Anyway, it looks like he's almost going to come to blows with them. So maybe that was right after my thing. I don't know. So, Super Dragon was, like... Obviously, the Ring of Honor had these hard barricades. And they had these... uh these steel plates on them, right? That the fans always used to like slap, right? right? Uh, you know, the barricade slappers. So if these fucking barricades went into your legs, it was very painful. Now it happened accidentally all the time, which is fine. You know, I, you understand it, but you try to get out of the way. Super Dragon was basically doing it on purpose. He was getting whipped into every barricade and he was making sure to hit the fucking things as hard as he could. Like, I watched him do this over and over and over again. and I've barely got out of the way once and then he got me the second time and it just fucking cracked into my leg I was really pissed. So he's laying there and a 19-year-old John did something very stupid in retaliation. I picked up a water bottle. I opened the water bottle and I poured it on Super Which <laughs> <laughs> was not my brightest moment. Uh, and he immediately gets, up, he immediately stops selling. He stands up and he's like, who the fuck did that? And everybody gives me up immediately, of course, because they're a bunch of wrestling fans and that's what they do, even though they're supposed to be on my side and there's fake war. And he immediately just looks at me. I look at him. Like I wasn't even like daunting him or anything. I was just like, yeah, it was me. I'm like, what, what do you want me to say? He grabs me by the hair and he starts pulling me over the barricade. Uh, it's very, very <laughs> rough. Security runs over, separates us right away. So, really, probably the actual hair pulling was probably like maybe five seconds. And I'm fully expecting at this point to get kicked out, but the security guard looks at me and looks at Super Dragon. The security guard—you have to remember—the security guard is the same at every show, basically. Yeah. And at this point, I've been going to front row. Basically, I—I'm too big to fail for Ring of Honor at this point. I've been finding money <laughs> on front row tickets for every show in the Northeast for since like 2004 at this point, probably like mid 2004, and buying their DVDs and shit. The security guy looks at me. And he's like just back up over here just just back up over here for a while and like let him calm down and that's it so they just made me basically back off and you can see me back in the front row for the end of the match so at some point I walked back over there and nobody said anything so yes they did not kick me out for pouring water on Super Dragon and in fact Super Dragon ended up not getting booked again uh, because apparently he was being physical with other fans other than just me I love that including... you have
0: more pull than Super Dragon <laughs> the, the power <laughs> you were throwing
1: around at these fucking shows <laughs> <laughs> they like, well apparently Gabe hated him already, so I guess that was part of it too. But yeah, I I was like the I was the banks. So I was too big to fail for Ring of Honor, so I did not get thrown out. Maybe it was another wrestler who they already didn't have this problem with, you know, then then I would have been more of a thing. But yeah, Super Dragon trying to pull me over by my hair at, for which was a very justified reaction on his part for me pouring water on him. Uh somehow, yeah, I did not get thrown out for all. Yeah, that. and if I'm not mistaken, so,
0: he's only into more He makes like one more, yeah. I think one he has like the fans, solo so. map, but I think they're like not in the Northeast. I think they're like in weird places. Yeah, the Midwest.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think it's like a they did with his his remaining shots, and they didn't come back. So yeah, but it, I mean, the the rumor is he monkey flipped a fan, like a shoot monkey. Flip, that's what I wanted to bring up. When I people people seem to think that was me, and I, I was like, no, if if that happened, it definitely was not me. Because the story is it was after the show, and it's like. No, after the show, I fucking left. I didn't get any more <laughs> altercations with Super Dragon or any other
0: wrestlers. So. Shoot Monkey Flipping someone. That rules. I hope it happened. But also... Yeah. Uh, I have no knowledge of that, that happened. When you read like about me. this literally show, the show... Oh, sorry. Literally,
1: the show was over. I was like... I am like, I was not one of these people that hung around the show. Like, I was like, we have a long drive back from Philadelphia. Let's get the fuck out of here.
0: So Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The uh, When you read about this show... Um, cause this show is, there's a bunch of wild shit happens on this show. When I, when I asked you about it, I actually was, when you did, when you were like, oh, I don't know if I was there. I was like, good, because I didn't think I wanted, I didn't think, I didn't want you to think I was specifically baiting you into telling the super dragon story again. Um, I, I did have, I have a million questions about being in the room for this show because this show seems insane for a thousand reasons. Oh, so you weren't there? No, I wasn't there. To me, uh, ROH in 2006, I had a buddy who bought the DVDs. I watched them all with out of order with no context. And then like I'd get high in a basement and watch this stuff. So like, I knew, I knew, like I knew about CCW. I knew like, I knew all like the guys on the roster.
1: I was at like the CW show where the, where the show really started, like the, or the ring of honor show, the double header where like, uh, so we're sitting, sitting in the front row, all the CW guys hit the ring. Cause I guess they're mad that the ring of honor show is going long or some shit when, you know, they did this double header and the CW guys start like tearing down the barricades and fucking tiny ass Sabian is standing right in front of me tearing down my barricade. And you know, if people don't know me, I'm like almost six two. You
0: can so whoop Sabian's a, ass, John. <laughs> I have a lot of hate
1: on Sabian. But I was I, I was still not looking to get in a fight with Sabian, it was just kind of funny, because Sabian was like looking right at me, like, come on, motherfucker. And I'm like, you're really you're really short, man. And I don't know. I'm like, I wasn't really that intimidated by five four Sabian, or whatever the fuck he is. It did look a little ridiculous. But uh yes, he was the one who got right in my face. Which I was like, you probably should have like looked for one of the shorter fans and gotten it in their
0: face. And you should, and when you should have so- poured water on Sabian. You could have handled that. You could
1: have- yeah. yeah, Super Dragon's like almost my height, I think. And yeah, Sabian couldn't reach yeah.
0: your hair. There you go. Sabian could not. <laughs> I'm like Sabian. I'm am cl- I'm way closer to Sabian's height than Super Dragon. I should stop talking shit. Why? How? <laughs> how? Well, how tall are you? I'm like five six.
1: Oh, there you go. You're my girlfriend, say. So I...
0: Yeah, no. Sabian would kick the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, when I brought it up, I I when, and I was like, okay, good. It doesn't seem like I'm just uh, baiting them into this match. But uh, the thing is, with that, with that, when you read about this show, every write up about this show has some version of the story of Super Dragon, like of them hearing Super Dragon beat someone up at the show. And I don't know if they're talking about, like, whatever happened with you or the the blown-up story about someone getting monkey-flipped after the show. But reading these, I've, I've always been like, is that the John thing they're all talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very acting like he
1: beat me up. It, it's definitely not me because, like he, like I said, had hold my hair for five seconds. Security pulled us away, and that was the end of it. I mean, yeah. we never – there was no other physical altercation, so – you know, he, if he did, if he did something else for fans after the show, I couldn't tell you. Like I said, I, I left the moment of the show. I like memory. to imagine
0: as soon as the cameras went off, Super Dragon just went out and beat the crap on everyone he could see. The, yeah. uh, <laughs> the other thing too is like, like I said, like when I was watching, well, my awareness of ROH in two thousand six was like distant from like internet wrestling conversation. It was hanging out in like a buddy's basement, and then a few years later, when like I understand. Uh, you know you go back and you watch all the big matches because I I, you, I got back into like nerdy wrestling talk and you watch all like the big moments with a little more context but still not real context and more recently in the past couple of years I've watched every CCW and ROH show from that year in order alternating between them and all like these things that are put that are like held as a As like the common opinion for like the peak moments of this feud in that year, in context, I think are all like wrong. Like, I think the first Danielson Nigel match is better than the unified one, and I think this is better than the Cage of Death match. I think this is like the best match of the whole year. This match is amazing. So I will say I when
1: I was watching this back on tape, I don't know if it's because I was there. But it didn't hold up for me as much as I thought it would. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, you're like, it's just like so much camera cut, camera cut, camera cut. It's like Ring of Honor 2006 production to me has a really hard time keeping up with this. To the point where it does start to drag a little bit for me where it's like, okay, again get it. They're, they're crowd brawling. It's just like, maybe I've just become really, um, I don't know, like really, like crowd brawling has been really like overexposed to me over the past 15 years or something, but I mean, I still thought it was great, but it didn't connect with me on like one of the best matches
0: ever kind of level. You know, like they do the, like as an actual, like, uh, like the, the action as the actual, like wrestling goes, there's not, you know, much to, to toy with here, but the way so many moving parts like connect in this match, like the way they know they have Joe and Necro to play on, Like, the way they use Joe in this match... Joe's, like, out of the feud after this match. Joe's used as, like, a bait-and-switch twice after this. And in this match, they use Joe for everything. Hero is so willing to look stupid with Joe the whole match. Uh, And then, like... Did the
1: Joe-Necro match happen yet, by the way, at this point?
0: So, the the Joe-Necro 05 match happened. Okay. And then the 06 one is a bait-and-switch for Homicide-Necro, which is, like, my favorite match of all time. (laughs) Um... And uh, and that's it. Like that's all. Joe Joe's Joe's only in the feud for the rest of it to be the bait and switch for Homicide Necro, and then he gets hurt and pulled out of the cage of death match. Um, yeah, and they use but he's him. on his way
1: to TNA too. Yeah, or he's already in TNA, but I mean, he was like on his way to not being a Ring of Honor guy really anymore, just being a TNA guy.
0: Yeah, he starts really taking it easy in Ring of Honor, like during yeah. essentially during this match, and like yeah. Whitmer is so down to he does so much dumb shit with Super Dragon in this match. They go back to CZW and he gets his head stomped in on a chair again by Super Dragon. They have like practically a death match a few shows later. Uh, this is the only time Adam Pearce is cool. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> this match. They,
1: do, 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 do this, by the way, start this video file starts off with the uh, Cornet Zandig uh, debate, which boy did that segment not hold up. No. Like, uh, like okay. Cornette's representing ROH. He just rambles about old school Philly wrestling forever. Zandig tells him to shut the fuck up. And despite the fact that he's apparently as big of a, a MAGA chud on the planet as there is right now, I still had to agree with him. Because it's like, buddy, just... Cornette really did need to shut the fuck up at that point. Then Cornette does kind of start, like, ethering him and make him look like an idiot because he's just way faster on his feet than Zandig is. Um... And, you know, the CZW fans and the Bleachers, I like, the CZW fans do a much better job during the match representing themselves. I I a CZW fan, have to tell me more. CZW fans didn't actually like Zandig, right? Well, I Because they they, they did not react for him during this promo most of the time.
0: At CZW shows that year, Zandig is still... He's, like, taking command of... Like, storylines fall apart and just becomes Zandig coming out and taking them over. He gets huge reactions. He made events the actual Cage of Death show that year. Um I was gonna ask that too. Like I was gonna ask how like that CZW side of the room, like were they actually was was it actually like almost an equal amount of CZW fans no. there? It didn't seem like it was like, like it. they
1: basically they basically had the bleachers, they had their own side of the bleachers, which did have a lot of fans, but like most of the fans on the floor were all Ring of Honor fans. So, like, you would see a few CW fans, but they're... So, like, basically, the the two bleachers maybe cancel each other out. I think there are probably still more Ring of Honor fans. But then the floor was all Ring of Honor fans almost. Like, very few CW fans on the floor. So, that basically... Even if there was the exact same amount in the bleachers, the floor would have tilted it to Ring of Honor. But, yeah, because I was, like, during this segment especially, uh, the CW fans, I felt like, got really drowned out hard by the Ring of Honor fans. So, Xandy gets booed out of the building a lot of the time the RRH chance easily overpower the brief season chance, and just adds to the feeling of Cornette, like, destroying Zandig here verbally. Uh, You know, Zandig does finally get a good point in when he points out that Smoky Mountain had plenty of hardcore shit, too, and Cornette does finally get flustered at that point and has to resort to dropping homophobic slurs. Brutal. Brutal. Uh,
0: Won't even even censor repeating them. I can't even pretend to almost repeat them.
1: (laughs) And then it devolves into the two of them yelling back and forth to the point where I can barely make out what they're saying, combined with the you know, the production with no uh you know direct feed to the microphones or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know what zandik um, says that I
0: love though? Yeah. Uh Cornette goes, like, I got a locker room full of guys who would never come work for you. And Zandex He's like, he Oh,
1: will of them are on best of the best.
0: Well, first he goes he goes, you know, uh everyone in that lo- half that locker room came from CCW, And Cornette says, Well, they would never go back, and he goes they're all coming back next month, you stupid motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For best of the best, yeah.
1: yeah, that's great. That was that was really good, but yeah, Zandig, uh, Just but yeah, by the end of it, like between the bad audio and all the crosstalk, it's almost unwatchable. Uh, and then Zandig finally calls out the C W boys to the ring to thankfully bring them into it, in to it uh, before Samoa Joe's music kicks to bring their team out. Uh, so yeah, just like you know, just a total wild brawl all over ringside. I just think it doesn't hold up as well for. You know, there's there's parts of the drag to me, watching sure. it back. And I think it worked better in the building, for sure. Uh, so Super Dragon, you know, the, the, the big, big spot. Super Dragon gives Whitmer a psycho driver through a table, off the apron. That was a ridiculous bump, obviously. Uh, Zandig, after that, shows up in the ring. Joe goes right after him. but hero cuts him off, so Zandig can throw some truly horrible punches. Uh, Bryce and the, the what was it, Todd something? Todd Claire. Todd Sinclair, thank you. The Bryce and Todd Sinclair get into an argument about the, the legality of this. So Bryce Rendsburg is there as a, C, as a CW ref, obviously the same guy in AEW now. And he's wearing this horrible looking black and yellow striped ref shirt. And, you know, Bryce is yelling about there being no DQs in CZW. I don't know what Todd's yelling. can't really hear it. And then Butcher just finally decks Todd Sinclair in the back of the head with a punch, which is really funny. Hero uh, has Joe in a cravat. Zandig is like flipping off the crowd. But out comes Claudio. So this whole time, obviously, people knew Claudio was Hero's partner uh, in Chikara and CGW. As, and, uh, you know, so the, the question was like, oh, what side is Claudio going to be on? And I guess at some point before the show, he had said he was with with uh, Ring of Honor, right?
0: Yeah, dur- like he, uh, front- during the show, he's with Ring of Honor. And Hero, like, yeah. talks shit on him. He does the, the promo in the crowd where he walks from the ROH side, and brings the camera to the CCW side. And yeah. it's like building up that Claudio's an ROH guy.
1: And then, so Claudio comes out with this big ROH embroidered shoot, uh, suit jacket. Now, he also has a yellow shirt under there that you can see. Yeah. So Joe should have noticed that, I guess. <laughs> it's like very yellow. Uh, but yeah, so basically Joe holds Hero for Claudio to bounce off the ropes, and indeed uh, Claudio blasts Joe with a European uppercut the moment Joe runs in. Uh, and that's it. So he and Hero hug. Uh, Pierce tries to make the save. The RH fans chant for Homicide. He's still a heel at this point. He wouldn't make this big face turn for Ring of Honor for a little while longer. Uh, and then Hero and Claudio give Pierce some wacky double team move, and Hero pins him with a win. It, it was an awesome and ballsy move for Gabe to book this that way, I will say. The Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor fans definitely were not happy. I remember being in the building, being like, "Oh, these fuckers!" And having really? the
0: CZW side <laughs> to escape through is such a cool closing image. And Joe's staring at them, like all these yeah. pieces just fit perfectly into place for that finish.
1: And the, the CZW guys all lead through the crowd. Joe in the ring, he's in the ring with an incredibly bloody Adam Pearce. And Joe tells him to hit CZW's music, which fucking sucks, by the way. <laughs> the theme song. It's oh, like yeah. we're trying to rip out the ECW '90s theme song, but make it as shitty as possible. Which the ECW theme song already sucks, but this is even worse. That's not cool. Uh, But yes, Joe says "Hit CW's music because it's the last time you ever hear it again, which is a great line. Uh, But there you go. You know, it doesn't have the same feeling for me as being there live 15 years later. Uh, I totally get why some of the fans in the building started chanting match of the year at the end. That's also a very dorky thing to do by the way, because you're supposed to be mad as a Ring of Honor fan that CW won. You're not supposed to be fucking chanting match of the year, you fucking dorks. Anyway, uh, watching it back now, I don't see how you can go. It was like, I I love four stars. You know, it's awesome. It still comes across as an awesome brawl. And there's some incredibly sick and bloody spots. But, like, it also kind of drags. Just watching them constantly cut between cameras. And it's hard to tell what's going on sometimes. Like, to me, it's the ultimate example of a you-had-to-be-there match. You know, but it was
0: a fun trip down from lane. Lama. I definitely get that. Because I definitely am not, I'm normally not into, you know, big crowd brawls. This match, they recreate this match on, like, three other shows after, and it's a nightmare to watch uh, after after this one. But this one, like, part of it, too, is the crowd is, like, nuts the whole time. And it's, like, to me, that it was so engaging watching all the reactions. Like, the at one point, like, Joe's walking through the crowd, and you hear one guy get close to him and yell, find Super Dragon, find Super Dragon and kill him now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, like, that, and, like, the way, like... Uh, also, Super Dragon. Like, I imagine if Super Dragon pulled my hair, I'd be like, "That guy sucks and he's an asshole." But as someone just watching, oh, no, no, yeah. I think, oh,
1: <laughs> I think Super Dragon fucking. You called him an asshole. I, I said that he he is an asshole. Totally. But I think I think he fucking he's an awesome fucking wrestler. I mean, I never I'd never come on this show and buried Super Dragon as a wrestler because just because he pulled my hair one time 15 years ago. I mean, he's a he's a great fucking wrestler. Oh yeah, well, so. I was about to call. I yeah. just
0: wanted to. To soften it in case there wasn't a uh, bad blood, because I was about to say, no, 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 "Dude no. is the star." I mean, look, of his I fucking
1: poured, i I poured water on the fucker's head. What was he supposed to do? I mean, he shouldn't have been fucking. I mean, look, he was trying to provoke a response. Dumb shit. Nineteen year old John
0: gave him a response, <laughs> and then he tried to and then he tried to pull me over by my hair. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I just and, and I love how every time, like, crowds actually mad at him. If that wasn't the thing that happened with you in the corner, then someone else is super mad at him. And then he just gets in the ring. He's got this like deceptively big belly and he's just like holding it out and flipping off the crowd. And he psycho drivers Whitmer through that table. He takes the exploder on the chair. Like I've never seen a guy give so few fucks for a half hour straight as Super Dragon in this match. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 it was so like the crowd being like molten hot, the way it comes off the rest of the show, these CCW guys being like, Eventually, they're just on every show, and it's not as fun to watch them. So, in the context of watching this in the order of all the other shows, like it's so cool. It, it's yeah, like this is the peak, right? It's, this is really to me. This is the peak. And even by the time Cage of Death happens, like if you watch, the,
1: I remember being, I remember being sick of it by the time Cage of Death happens. And
0: even just watching them all in order, if you watch the CZW shows that are happening at the same time, CZW like disowns the feud. They uh they go like at one point on commentary at this sh- at whatever show happened at about the same time as the cage of death match, they go, yeah, ROH says they're fighting with us, but they have Nate Webb. Nate Webb hasn't worked here in a year and a half. Like they say that on commentary (laughs) Um, because Nate Webb's in the CCW team uh, on the CCW cage of death match, but uh, on the ROH, CCW cage of death match. But on this one, like it's all peak. It's like the first time uh, like necro butchers doing like the shoot punches to somebody in a, in an ROH ring. Uh, I love it. I don't know if I can like call it a five star match because it's there are parts that like aren't that fun to watch. It goes on for a half hour, but it's shockingly engaging to me for like that whole half hour. I'd go at least like four and a half something on it. Even rewatching it now, knowing everything that happens, I was like, up oh, still rules.
1: <laughs> so who's on the CW team in that Cage of Death match? It's like Nate Webb, Necro Butcher, I think Eddie Eddie Kingston's Carto, in
0: it. Um, Eddie Kingston. He's not in the rest of the feud either. He shows up for Cage of Death. Yeah. Um, Hero Claudio, is that everybody? How many? That might be
1: everybody, because I think it's five, right? Maybe there's another one. No, yeah, it's maybe it's, it's six.
0: five. Did we say five? That's Hero
1: Claudio, Necro, Webb, and Kingston.
0: Kingston, yeah, that's the five. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, so that was cool to relive, I guess, but let us move on here to match number four, which was my second pick Hiroshi Tanahashi against Hiroki Godo. Uh, from New Japan, May 3rd, 2009. I just kind of wanted to read the days when it was still theoretically possible to think Hiroki Goto could win the IWGP heavyweight title. And we were also kind of just talking about this period, this time period on the uh, Tanahashi Naito One Man series, which again, patreon.com slash wrestling only $5. Want to hear lots of stuff. I mean, I did a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, this period of New Japan. But yeah, this was Goto's third shot at the IWGP title in his career. Uh, He lost to Tanahashi on November seventeenth, two 2007 at Sumo Hall. He lost to Keiji Mudo in All Japan on August thirty first, 2008, again at Sumo Hall. That was after his shock G1 win. Uh, And then he was like, I want to take my title shot as fast as possible. I'll go to All Japan to face Mudo because Mudo was champion while still being in charge of All Japan at the time. And he lost, of course. That I remember being like, everybody being like, what the fuck? He wins the G1 and he goes to All Japan to try to be the conquering hero to get the belt back and he just loses. Wait, that happens. Like what the fuck that is... happens
0: during the, the Mudo title reign where he drops it to Tanahashi? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that match happened. <laughs> yeah, that was in all Japan. Because like, it was in all Japan. all Japan. Right, Yeah. Yeah, It's in all
1: Japan. Uh but yeah, so here's his third shot now against Tanahashi, after Tanahashi won the belt from Mudo at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh so this is at Wrestling Dontaku. Following Goto's first New Japan Cup win, uh, he beat Giant Bernard in the finals. He would, of course, go on to lose this title shot. He won the New Japan Cup two more times, the following year in 2010, where he beat Makabe in the finals. Then he loses his title shot at Cork and Hall to Shinsuke Nakamura. That's a match we covered in the series before, actually, on the uh, the five-matches episode last year with Joel from the Super J-Cast. That match over. That match is awesome. Uh, and then he lo- beats Tanahashi in the 2012 finals, before he loses his first ever title shot against Okada. His first ever shot, a match, title match against Okada, I should say. Uh, and yes, overall, Goto has eight title challengers. Besides the ones I, just, ones I just mentioned, he also lost to Tanahashi at Dominion 2011. Uh, he lost to Okada two more times. Uh, new beginning in February 2014 and 2016. And as of today, he has never received another IWGP title shot again after he lost that match to Okada in 2016 and then joined Chaos a month later. Uh, following his New Japan Cup final loss to NATO. Still one of the dumbest storylines in wrestling history. Uh, I've buried it on so many different pieces of audio. It's just so terrible. Uh, Tanahashi, meanwhile, he's in the middle of his third reign as champion here. Uh, as mentioned, he beat Muto to win the belt in the Wrestle Kingdom 3 main event uh, in January 4th, 2009. He defended against Nakamura on February 15th. He beat Kurt Angle April 5th. Both of those were super, uh, at Sumo Hall. Uh, I don't remember the angle match at all. I remember angle Nakamura very well, but I don't remember an angle, angle Tanahashi. Yeah, I've
0: seen, I, uh, I looked up this defense and I was trying to see if I would seen the other matches in it. I was trying to figure out which Tanahashi Goto match this was. Um, and mm-hmm. I'd seen all the, I didn't, I'd never seen that angle match. Apparently it was good.
1: Yeah, i never seen it. I, I Actually, no, I, I probably did see it at the time, but I don't I don't remember it. It's definitely been a long time. Uh, so this is his third defense. Uh, he beats Goto here. Then he finally loses the belt to Manabu Nakanishi only three days later, uh, at Corican hall. And that's Nakanishi's, of course, his big gold watch reign is one and only title reign. Uh, Nakanishi loses the belt right back to Tanahashi a month later at Dominion. Uh, Tanahashi would only get one defense this time, uh, against Noah's Takashi Sugera before he suffered an eye injury at the hands of Nakamura in the G1, which forced him to vacate the title. Uh, after vacating it, though, it took him a long time to finally win it back, so he gets a title shot against the next champion, who is Nakamura, uh, November 8th, 2009, he loses there, and then he finally wins it back from Satoshi Kojima, uh, January 4th, 2011, at Wrestle Kingdom 5, and that's the famous Tanahashi title reign, where he breaks Yuji Nagata's defense record for most defenses in one reign, he finally loses, loses the belt to Okada, in the Rainmaker Shock, February 2012, so that's the January 2011 to February 2012 reign. So there you go. And of course, Okada would go on to break Tanahashi's defense record, and now the records are all wiped out. So I guess the, <laughs> I guess the defense record is No, one. all of this was imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, defense record right now, the world of Red title is one for Will Osprey. Uh, there you go.
0: So we start here with Go to. Auto- have you ever seen this match by the way before? I guess boy. so. I, uh, I I I actually I open so everything. in in the circle of Nakamura, Tanahashi, and Goto, like, before the Tanahashi 2011 run, kind of all blends together for me. And I actually had to open grapple to see if I'd ever watched this. And I I had. (laughs) But I didn't didn't remember it. I was going to say this match is, like, right in a period where, like, watching Tanahashi in this era, um, and I would say, like, until, like, maybe partway through the 2011 run, feels like putting on, like, an episode of an old, comfortable sitcom you like, like they all they mm-hmm. all kind of blur. It's a model. It's a great model. I love—I love all these matches, but like, you know, I'm just like, oh, this, and I'm—I'm I'm like calling what the next thing is going to be, but I don't know if that means I remember the match or if I'm just like, that's what Big Tanahashi mm-hmm. matches were like in 2009, 2010. Um, right. But
1: yeah, I, I will I, say it's always so weird to see him in black instead of white now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so you see him in the white,
1: but uh they don't, so i've noticed from the from the tanahashi naito matches and these in this match and this around this period i mean like new japan crowds at the time were not entrance pop crowds i mean later on they would become big entrance pop crowds but yeah even when they get hot during the actual matches they really did not make big entrance pop for anybody at this period in this period it was really
0: interesting yeah and uh yeah. and i also feel like um well, like you said, like when when Tanahashi, like moves to the white and gets a little more like flamboyant, I think that contributes to being like an like stuff like that contributes to being like an, an entrance pop crowd. But it's funny though because the way the entrances are filmed like back then, I've recently like gone back and tried to watch as much stuff from like this period that I hadn't seen before and like entrances are so much cooler still. Like um uh like the, there's like one venue where like they shoot the camera down the aisle whenever they're at the venue but i can't remember what it was but i don't know the point is uh yeah i agree with you is what i'm saying in a very in a very small long... i think
1: i think you're talking about Sumo. yeah actually
0: you know what should they do that at is the show with the five minute night ta- yeah, yeah. yeah 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 i think you're
1: talking about Sumo. yeah like that's so
0: cool it doesn't really cont- the crowd can't see that but <laughs> the entrances yeah. are so cool back then
1: um, so they, they start here at like some very basic mat wrestling stuff. Uh, it goes pretty much the first five minutes and Goto is like struggling to get an armbar on Tanahashi at the five minute call. Not the most exciting stuff, but it's all, it all looks good. You know, it's all crisp. Uh, we get our first rope assisted dragon screw from Tanahashi. He catches Goto on the apron and just drives his leg into the ropes hard. Uh, Tanahashi then absolutely crushes Goto with a topekan hilo on the apron to the floor. I mean, he fucking lands hard on him. And he's still selling his arm from Goto's earlier arm work, uh, you know, so that, as he comes back up, so that was a nice touch. Um, back in the ring later on, Goto gets, like, this nice diving elbow drop off the top on Tanahashi. It, it's weird watching the match. Tanahashi's wrestling style in this match is very similar to wrestling style nowadays. There are differences, and obviously he could do a little more back then, but, like, the general gist of it you know dragon screws clover leaf high fly flow german suit even he had the capture german at this point which I, I didn't realize he had this early like all the signature moves are kind of the same goto wrestles nothing, nothing like,
0: like were nothing like, like, like,
1: like zero he does when's the last time you remember hiroki goto doing a fucking
0: top rope elbow drop well this actually nice elbow no, drop. i was gonna say he still does that um you know okay. I know why i, I know. love go elbow drop because it's the most non-athletic he does it the same <laughs> way Kojima does it. And they both, it, yeah. it's like lunch pail. I'm, I don't give a shit. I'm just trying to hurt this guy. Elbow drop. I love his elbow drop. He does it a lot more back then. You know, I think he only does it in big matches now. Yeah.
1: And like, he hasn't he have the GTR yeah. yet. He doesn't have a ton of stuff yet. He just got the Shoten Kai, I think, which he barely even uses anymore. And yeah, he doesn't have all the GTRs. He doesn't do as much as many lariats. Like he really is not in like the hard hat you know hard hat lunch pail ishii style yet like i think most people would associate with him now he's much more like i don't know like he's getting there but he's also much more like he does more mat work he does a lot of arm bars in this match like the the, the promotion style was also changing too which i'm assuming is a big part of it but yeah he's still doing a lot more like grappling and technical wrestling here than you ever see him do now yeah and
0: he's like Um, he's it's he's very like flashy and aggressive with it too like like when he does. Yeah.
1: Well he was still so so Milano and Taichi on the outside, he was still in that rise unit, even though Shinsuke and Nakamura had left a month earlier, and they were like they were not he I talked about this earlier with Nakamura. They were not heels exactly, but they were definitely like at least tweeners. Whereas like that group is gonna break up, since Nakamura left them a month earlier to form chaos, that group is basically gonna like slowly break up and go to will be a-, a Hantai guy. You know, pretty much until he joins Chaos, when Chaos is already babyface anyway. So, you know, he's basically just a a total babyface for the rest of his career at this point. But this is like the last vestiges of like, you know, Godot sort of being on the side of like Black and Rise and all that. And he was in CTU even when he was still a junior. So, I mean, he definitely grew up on the heel side of things, which seems weird now when, you know, he's been a babyface for so long. And he's
0: so just like vanilla now. And for years now, he's like... Like, here, like, even the moveset he's using here, like, at least he comes off, like, a big aggressive goon here. Like, he comes off, like, a mean goon, where I feel like, in more recent years, Godo's character is competent pro-wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I still love Godo. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I still mean, think is good, but there's yeah. just, like, there's nothing to attach to.
1: It's true. I mean, he just kind of, at this point, his character's, like, veteran, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so nice diving elbow drop. They do some running around and, like, ducking each other. Goto hits this weirdly light lariat, which, you know, like I said, he doesn't do a lot of lariats in this match, but here he hits, like, a weirdly light one, but it kind of works. He hits this weirdly light lariat to the back of Tanahashi's head, but Tana barely sells it, and then counters with the Sling Blade uh, when Goto bounces off the ropes in front of him for, like, a real lariat. So, you know, uh, oh god, Tampa just scored, like, a minute left in the game. (laughs) <laughs> it's like four-four like tie, and Tampa just fucking score the minute fourteen left in regulation. Fuck off. Anyway, I'm like both my teams. I put these f- fucking bets on are going to be oh, down one. Your one dad's going to be devastated. Where to bet on it? Uh, but yes. So anyway, uh, unless there's a miracle here in the minute fourteen seconds. Uh, so yeah. So Tanahashi, uh, they really did fluster me. So yeah, so he comes bounce off the ropes and you know, he counts that sling blade when Godot bounces off the ropes in front of him. Uh, Tana starts giving him these grounded dragon screws uh, as you get the 15 minute call. I am amazed this match is only half over because, like, the amount of action they put in, um, you know, a- after the first five minutes when they were pretty like maybe a little dull, the next 10 were pretty exciting, and it's like, wow, there's still another half a match here, and it's not. You know, it's not one of those thirty-minute or thirty-plus New Japan main events from nowadays, where virtually nothing happens for the first fifteen minutes. It's not like that at all here. Uh, and Tanahashi gets it; just paced way better to me than some of these New Japan matches are nowadays. Uh, Tanahashi gets the Texas Cloverleaf on Goto, but Goto crawls to the ropes fairly quickly to break. Uh, we get this hard slap battle; both guys are just skating there and trading, and then Goto finally gets a straight right hand to win that exchange. Uh, You get some light boos in the process. Japanese fans do not like when you use a closed fist Mm -hmm. punch. Uh, He shoves the roughest side, hits another punch, uh, but then he sets Tanahashi up on the top rope in the inverted position and gives him a big neck breaker off of there. It's another former Godo signature move that he only does very rarely nowadays. Uh, He doesn't go for a cover off of that, though, which is kind of weird. And he finally hits another elbow drop off the top, uh, this one to the back of Tanahashi's head, and covers for a two count. Uh, He sets Tanahashi up in the front suplex position, looking for the Shoten Kai. Uh, Tana keeps blocking, so Goto ducks a lariat from Tana and drops him right on his fucking neck with this sick-looking backdrop suplex. Tanahashi no-sells, pops right back up, so Goto gives him a second backdrop. Uh, It was not nearly as rough as a landing for Tanahashi on that one, just before the 20-minute call. Uh, Goto picks Tana up, tries again for the Shoten, Tana counters in midair with what I guess is supposed to be a sling blade. Really just looks like the two of them falling down together. Not the greatest midair sling blade counter uh, we've ever seen in Tanahashi. I was
0: pretending uh, Goto was selling the leg. (laughs) He he was not. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) And then uh, Tana gives him a standard sling blade. He goes to the high fly float of the front. Goto gets his knees up. As an aside... If Tanahashi ever goes straight for the high-fly float at the front without hitting either the cross body or the one at the back first, that's almost always the result. Oh, yeah. So, you know. oh, yeah. Uh, Goto hits a gut buster from a fireman's carry position, finally gets the Kai. Only called the Shoten by the announcer, but it's definitely the Kai because Goto drops his yeah, knees so. yeah uh Milano uh, at ringside thinks that's it, basically. He thinks Goto's just won the IWGP title. It's like, oh, you poor bastard. Uh, Godo kicks by, out. By, I mean, Tanahaji kicks out. At this point, course. the Shoten
0: Kai was like his established finisher, right? Yes,
1: that was like,
0: yes. th- I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, I know I knew who won this match, but I thought that was like the worst near fall on a finisher. Like, no one in the world was buying that. Where, like, where it happened. Well, the well, the well, clucks, yeah, well, Milano almost convinced <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh, Godo hits a lariat, gets another close two count. And then Tanahashi comes back with a standing Rana out of nowhere for very close, very cool near fall. Did a great job making it look look like it could end with that uh, sudden flash pen. And then Goto tries to answer with a flying armbar out of nowhere. That was was awesome. He obviously did that. Yeah, I've never
0: seen Goto do that. That ruled. I have that like written down with all these exclamation points. I was that woke me up. That was great.
1: And then Tanahashi counters as soon as they hit the mat with a cradle for yet another near fall. He goes for the clover leaf again. Goto counters into an armbar. Really pulls back on that fucking arm. Uh, Tanahashi makes rope just for the 25 minute call. This is where I noticed Tai Chi on the outside, right? And Milano, Tai Chi's Milano's partner at this point. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, Tai Chi was in Rise, right? And according to Wikipedia and uh, Cage Match, Tai Chi was not in Rise. Apparently Milano was teaming with him, but he was not in Rise. So he was the Bret Hart. Uh, of of the uh, to what Bret Hart was to NWO Hollywood, that was Tai Chi to rise. Oh, I see. Right, that makes sense. He was <laughs> va- vaguely associated with them without never put on the T shirt. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yes, Tanahashi makes the ropes just for the twenty five minute call. Might be the first time in podcast history anyone's compared Tai Chi to Bret Hart
0: for any reason. We got to make it so. a real thing. I'll compare Bret Hart to Tai <laughs> Chi in the next match. We'll make it. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah, so the Panthers did lose. By the way, they, they did not. They
0: almost tied it with
1: like three seconds left. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was like a crazy game from what I could see. Uh, well, that's probably really going to put a games. damper three, on the
0: rest of this pod. That's <laughs> thirty
1: nine shots, thirty nine shots for each team, just crazy. But yes, game two is on Tuesday, so hopefully they can, uh, Farda can win game two. But I have to wait and see. Uh I mean, I did not. Th- I picked the Panthers not thinking it was, they were going to sweep the Lightning or anything. I mean, you know. Right. If a I loss can't. is a loss. They weren't
0: going so, to sweep. You're fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, what the hell is going on outside? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you I can hear that. I one definitely story. can hear that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, anyway, so Goto... Uh, Tana makes the ropes on the arm bar just for the 25-minute call. Goto starts like teeing off on Tanahashi with kicks to the chest as he's kneeling on the mat. like Some pretty hard ones, too, actually. And, you know, Tanahashi nearly gets another flash pin with an inside cradle uh, and then hits his capture German for like another 2.9 count. And then Godo tries to come back with lariats. Tanahashi hits a drop kick to Godo's leg, followed by a dragon suplex hold for yet another super close near fall. He then goes up top and hits the high fly photo of the legs, which Goto sells like absolute death, and locks in the clover leaf again. And Goto... You know, with his bloody mouth struggling to make the ropes, uh, is a great visual. Uh and I thought this was gonna be the finish, honestly. And I was like, What the fuck? Goto made the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> really, Goto gets up bleeding. Really.
0: It's a great, great killer image. When he gets back up after the clover leaf in his mouth, like I don't even yeah. know what got him, but it sure got him.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh T- Tanahashi hits yeah, another dragon screw, then another sling blade and covers. Uh, Godo kicks out of one. Tanahashi then hits an inverted sling blade. Then the high fly flow to the back. And finally the high fly flow to the front. And that is the pin. Uh, you can see how they really tried to protect Godo, uh, as he came up short for the third time here. It just really took everything in the kitchen sink for Tanahashi to finally beat him. So there's still during the period where you watch this match, and you're like, yeah, Godo could be a future champion. <laughs> but, uh, uh, didn't work out for him. <laughs> uh, this was an awesome fucking match, though. Better pace than a lot of modern New Japan stuff, you know, especially the longer matches. Without that super lengthy, nothing happens 15 minutes. You know, The first five had some of that, but like after that, pretty much all action up until the end. And there were so many near falls you could have bought either guy winning on if you are watching this in real time. I went four and a half on this. I just went back and forth on four and a quarter and four and a half, but I really loved this. So I enjoyed watching it for the first time in a long time. Yeah,
0: you know, the four on these Tanahashi matches is pretty high and part of it is because that like set of moves, like the legwork that's built into all these matches from this period uh, is just like so cool and it's so easy to invest in. And as long as he's got a good opponent who'll like work with him on that stuff, it's great. And then you just, you know, and, and in this match, uh, the problem is I've watched so many, it's just timing for me. I've watched so many Tanahashi matches recently and Tanahashi matches back then if he's got like, you know, an opponent that's not some kind of weird outlier like uh, like Giant Bernard or something, they're all kind of similar except for a couple where he pops out of the box. And I've just seen so many lately that I felt like, like I said earlier, I was calling the next move as it happened. But when Goto takes over on offense toward the end, uh, it's sick. I have, um, I have in my notes here that once he gets the knees up on the high fly flow, the rest of the match is just like fireworks and it's great. And, you know, like you're saying, like back then, Goto seems like such a badass uh, and it's so easy to buy into him winning in a big spot. But, you know, it's just as tragic listening to you list all like the tournaments he's won for nothing, you know, like uh, all the uh, the New Japan Cup and then that one G1. Yeah. I don't know, and it makes it even tough sometimes to go back and watch old Goto. And also, when I began this match, I was, pr- I, I, like I said, I confused a lot of matches from this period. And there's one match from this period between Goto and Tanahashi that, as this was going, I was like, please be that match. Please be that match. There's this one match where Goto just drops Tanahashi like on his neck like eight times down the stretch, like over and over. And I was going through cage match trying to figure out what year it was. And it wasn't this one. And I guess all I'm really getting out of saying this is... I wish this was that match. That match kicks ass. This match is like a 4 for me. I might have gone higher if I hadn't watched so much old Tanahashi recently. But it just it, it, it's not a bad thing because by the book Tanahashi is still better than like almost everything else. And uh, I often say that like Tanahashi is like one of the last wrestlers that still feels like magical to me. Uh, like even if you look at like current day New Japan, all the other big names, part of their personas are being like nonchalant about everything. And Tanahashi's the opposite. He feels like he's like of a different time to me still. And that applies. He's a little like toned down in two thousand nine, but it still applies here. He feels he feels so big to me. Um, and it's cool seeing that twelve years ago that still felt like the case. But I'm at like a four on it, a, a, a good four. <laughs>
1: Okay, uh, so there you go. We got one match to go. See if we can go through, through this fast, because not that this episode is super, super long, but I feel like I've been sitting here forever between the, <laughs> the technical difficulties. So the last match was your pick for the fan vote, Bret Hart against Jean-Pierre Lafitte, right? Jean-Pierre Lafitte. WWF, September 24th, ninety five. This is the infamous Pirate Steals-Bret Hart's Jacket match. Uh, I won the fan vote over my counter pick of uh, Brett versus Piper from WrestleMania 8. You were like, did you pick that as a coincidence? I'm like, no. I always did as the fan vote one. I'm just like, let me just pick another heart match. I don't know. Uh, maybe people actually remember this was Brett versus PCO. A fact, I honestly did not until I started watching it. I was like, oh, yeah,
0: that's PCO. Yeah.
1: Totally he yeah, that's, that's, that's
0: part of why I picked it. Yeah.
1: Uh, the poor pirate, though, he doesn't even get a fucking entrance. They cut right from. Right from an HPK and Diesel promo. This is from In Your House 3, by the way. Uh, they cut right from an HPK Diesel promo because they're in the main event against uh, God. It's supposed to be Bulldog and Owen ends up being what? Bulldog and uh... Yokozuna. Oh, and so it's supposed to be Owen and Yokozuna ends up being Bulldog and Yokozuna. Oh, that's right. Um, and then Yokozuna and then Owen runs and in and gets pinned. Anyway. Yeah. And they're like, no, that's not official, so you're not the tag champion. Oh, that's right. He gets pinned, right. Yeah, because it's for the tag titles and and Diesel's every other title and Sean's Intercontinental title. Where if they had pinned either one of them, they could have won either of those titles. Just another so way start... for Sean
0: to lose a belt. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: but no, he didn't lose. Well, no, the Intercontinental was going to vacate the following month. He lost following the the, the gang of uh, the Syracuse gang, right? Yeah, that was the following month. But he lost but, the uh... tag
0: titles here, right? Or did the other? Well, they
1: no, no, no. no. So Owen and Yoko, are the tag champions, Sean was Intercontinental, Diesel was WWF champion, and it was either they basically built it up as guaranteed title change. If Diesel and Sean win, they win the tag titles. If Owen and Yokozuna win, whoever they pin, they'll either win the Intercontinental or they'll win the WF title. So they'll, they'll, they can only win one of them. Uh, and theoretically, you would want your partner to get the pin because you wouldn't win anything. But they, I, guess it didn't, I don't think they came into play in the actual match. But yeah, then Owen pulls out and they put Bulldog in. And then Owen runs out at the end of the match. And Diesel power bombs Owen and pins him. So the next night, they're like, well, Owen wasn't in the actual match by that point. It was Bulldog. So, uh, Sean and Diesel are not the tag champions. And the belts get vacated. I think they end up on the smoking guns. So, yeah,
0: ha yeah. This was actually the... I, I didn't realize... People want to... I've always sucked. The answer is yes. And this is the semi-main, <laughs> and PCO still gets a jobber entrance. Yes!
1: <laughs> he So, he comes out while Sean and Diesel are doing a promo. He, we, could, we cut to him already in the ring. And then we cut away from him in the ring to... Show him like stealing Brett's glasses from a kid. You know how Brett always gives the the sunglasses at right. ringside, and then he steals the actual jacket on Superstars. First of all, why the they were still shooting angles on Superstars? I guess in September '95, it's like Raw existed already.
0: Yeah, it's like why are you cutting angles on Superstars on your syndicated program? And I don't think that stuff cutting... like even came up on Raw. I don't remember. Yeah. Like, I, I watched those Raws, and I don't think. I think they. I think like once the I think maybe it came up quickly in a promo. Like they weren't. I don't think PCO was, like, playing around with the jacket on Raw. <laughs> yeah, it's really
1: weird. Uh, but, yeah, so Brett uh, – Brett dives through the, the – oh, oh, so Brett does a great promo before the – a great Brett we promo, gotta talk a great about, promo. We got to talk about the Brett promo. It's so yeah, good. So, so Brett, he's like – he says, if Pierre Lafitte, fancies himself a pirate, the Brett Hart is going to make him walk the plank. Dude.
0: What? At, in this period Brett always gives like a, a promo right before he walks out and they all have one line that you know Brett is like so proud of and this is this is that, that <laughs> shitty plank line but my favorite part of this he says like he says something about like PCO being Captain Crook and he's Captain Crunch
2: oh yeah yeah
0: but then, <laughs> but then right after that he goes listen Pierre a jacket and then he thinks about it for a minute and he goes is a, is a jacket I guess but uh, it means a lot <laughs> to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brett,
1: Brett gives that line like he's like, a jacket is just a jacket, but it means something to me because Brett's basically like, this is fucking stupid I feel dumb yelling at you about my fucking jacket, but I have to make it work somehow so that was basically what was going through Brett Hart's mind, it was great.
0: That's the story of Brett's 95. Brett gets yeah. taken out of the title picture and he has the dumbest pay-per-view matches and he makes them all work somehow yeah. <laughs> I love it.
1: He's gonna win the title in two months in, from Diesel Oh, are we Just already
0: a, in September for this one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's bookended exactly. by these two Diesel matches, and in the middle, it's like-
1: that, that That low-key, horrible Bret Hart title reign where he, he beats, I guess, the British Bulldog in December. I, I guess, cleanly. I do remember. But then yeah. he beats The Undertaker at, at Royal Rumble because Diesel runs in. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. He beats Diesel in February at a cage match because The Undertaker pulls him into hell. Comes out, yeah. Under so, the, yeah right. That's the only reason why he beats him. And then he loses to Shawn Michaels the next month. And it's like, what a reign that was, guys. Really, uh... Really protected the hitman there. But the match where he beats Diesel
0: kicks ass.
1: Yeah, that match is awesome. He does beat Diesel clean. He, like, schoolboys him now. So. But, yeah. I don't know. That's where Diesel goes, motherfucking shit. And, like, power... Like, tears apart the... The, uh... I mean, that's what Diesel says on paper. He's like, motherfucking shit!
0: Right after, right? I always confuse that. And, like, because after that he comes out and does the thing where he yells at Vince on Raw. And I never remember where he... Where he does what.
1: Anyway, so... Uh, this is a, uh, this match is pretty great, I will say. <laughs> like, Brett Brett dives through the ropes uh, right on the pirate, right from the opening bell. It's a great start. Uh, and he gets his revenge right away on the feet. He, like, beats him up all over ringside and pulls the jacket off of him physically. Uh, we get a middle portion of the match that's, like, pretty much just Brett running himself and getting rammed into the corner pads as hard as he possibly can. Certainly entertaining.
0: Oh, yeah. Brett's... He he does he gets the, thrown uh, shoulder first twice and he does the run in by himself the one time and they all they look so good I actually have that written down he makes that corner shit look brutal
1: yeah uh so then we get like a long headlock from John Jean, uh, Pierre that kind of kills him momentum of the match a little bit that was being built up but kind of comes the territory it's mid nineties WWF match what are you gonna do yeah he drops a Hogan esque leg on on Brett and then reapplies the headlock. Uh, thankfully when the headlocks down we get some more big leg drops including one off the top rope and then Jean-Pierre tries a senton bomb here in 1995 even more impressive since he's such a big dude uh, but Brett rolls out of the ring and uh, PCO like he tries to do another flip down to the floor Brett rolls out of the way of that one too so this poor fucker crashes onto the floor as hard as he can
0: like boy that looks like it sucks and Brett's like a mile away Yeah. <laughs> It looks, it's so funny watching Brett's like, Brett's like, no, part of, is, no yeah.
1: part of this large band is landing on me. Basically. I don't even want to feel the yeah. wind from this. I'm out of here, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Brett then sends him, even, so I, I missed a part where PCO earlier had sent Brett into the ring steps, and Vince, for some reason, was like, that's it, Brett's done! I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. He threw the band the ring steps, like, we'll do, like I don't understand. Brett's like, oh, he's no coming back from that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? Oh no, he said, and that ends the match and, right there. And Vince that ends the said. match right
0: there. Yeah, yeah. Vince,
1: yeah. And I'm like, he—it's an Irish up in the ring steps, sir. Uh, but yes, Brett sends him even harder the ring steps, and Vince is not like, "Wow, well, PCO is dead." I'm like, you should—I don't know—you should be reading him his last rites compared to the last fucking ring step <laughs> spot. Yeah, you, you said. I don't understand it. Uh, but yeah, some insane bumps here. PCO tries for a uh the Finley roll, I guess. The, Fireman's carry flip driver. Uh, I will say it's slow, like sloppy and weird looking that Vince at first actually has no idea who did a move on who. And for once you can't really blame them. Cause it is like, yeah. yeah, that was a weird landing to
0: me. That was like the, uh, when Vince's reaction to that was like when they do the first alley hoop and semi-pro, have you ever see? Ever no. Everyone's like, asking me, John,
1: have you ever seen an American movie? Uh, not that many. I'll <laughs> be honest. A few.
0: But yeah, well, you know, know, it's not like I'm going with classics here. It's uh, <laughs> I'm naming some pretty yeah. shitty movies. Uh, but yeah, no, it's fun. I was, I was laughing that Vince was just like mystified by that move. <laughs> I had no yeah. idea who got hurt.
1: Um, well, yeah, there we had uh, our pirate friend trying to put his feet on the ropes for the pen but Brett kicks out. That gets a great JR line. He's stolen everything else, so uh, he just tried to steal a match. I don't know why I'm trying to do a JR. When JR yeah, said that, smart. I was
0: like, oh, JR's here and- too.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> was quite a lot of matches, too. He ends up countering a bulldog from Brett by just fucking running him as hard as he possibly can to the turnbuckle pads again, which is a really cool little counter. He, When Brett tries like a big dive on the ropes, PCO ducks, and Brett just fucking kills himself, like flying into these ropes as hard as he can, like cross body style. That looked like it sucked. Uh, PCO tries another slosh off the top Brett rolls out of the way again You'd think he would stop trying that at some point <laughs> And then Brett finally gets the sharpshooter And that's the that's the win But yeah, this was awesome uh, If anything, even better than I remembered uh, PCO just bumped like an absolute maniac here Brett Brett did some gnarly stuff too Mostly all the running himself in into the turnbuckle pads at full force uh, I have no idea how this match did not get Mr. Pirate PCO over Maybe because they didn't give him an entrance But it didn't because uh, he was basically gone from the company only a couple months later. Uh, they had a rematch on Raw the next night, did you know that? I saw that in Cage Match when I was looking up what was happening here. Yeah,
0: I've seen it. It's, uh, okay. it's not as good. Uh... Okay.
1: It's only 13 minutes long, but yeah. It's but not it's, nearly as good?
0: It's, I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, this one's got pco doing, taking more stupid bumps, which, in the context of, like, a 95 WWF show, is like watching Rey Mysterio and Psychosis or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um... That's the other thing too, like, you know, I've ne- I've never seen this outside of the context of the show it's on. And, uh, it's funny. Cause I remember it being this like super thrilling match. And it's because I watched the whole in your house when I saw this.
1: Yeah. The you know, show sucks.
0: Yeah. This show the show sucks. The rest of the show is horrible. Uh, and then, yeah, I went four and a quarter on this show. I thought it was awesome. Four and a quarter. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. four and a quarter. I loved it. Uh, yeah. and PCO, I think what ends up happening is PCO has got problems with the click or something. Um, Because I don't know how you don't get over with this match. But that's also, that's what I was getting at earlier. That's like, you know, if you look at, like, Bret's 95, he's got, like, the Isaac Yankum match. He's got this. He's got the Hakushi match. And, like, it's not that, like, PCO and Jinsei Shinzaki are bad wrestlers, but, like, the crowds don't give a shit about any of these people. And all three of these matches, like, they rule. They're great. Like, even the Isaac Yankum match kicks ass. And uh, I just realized,
1: by the way, um, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I was, like, desperately slurping juice out of this fucking uh, slurpy packet, and I think I might have done it right on the microphone, so if that noise came through, listeners, I'm very sorry. <laughs>
0: It oh, probably did. I heard it, but I've been squeaking this chair. I've been wondering if that's been coming through. It was just a bad episode. I'm, <laughs> I'm,
1: very, I'm very sorry, listeners. You deserve better for your zero dollars than
0: me slurping right into the camera.
1: We talked uh, about uh, gambling
0: for a half hour, and now we're just making strange noises. Really really
1: trying to get some very good lemonade out of this Honest Kids packet, which I really do. I was shoot drinking on it. Look, juice packs are great, I don't, they. and this Honest one is like... Only 40 calories when I've been trying to watch my calorie intake a little more. Oh, 40 so nothing. I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to fucking drink this shit. And I don't care if they're going to tell me it's for children. Yeah, That's and there's right. only
0: 40 calories. So you got to make sure you get every single drop out of that thing. you got to make exactly. this juice box count. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brehart's a good wrestler. I think that's yeah, what I was saying. Breaking news! <laughs> Get this—really
1: dropping, dropping hot takes I mean, here. Bret Hart might be pretty good.
0: Also, like watching Bret Hart's like so exciting for me. Not that exciting, but it's exciting for me now. This is my favorite period of Bret Hart. I like this more than even like Hart Foundation Bret Hart because it feels like Vince is like try- the booking. It feels like Vince is trying to like sabotage his career, and he's like, "I'll make all this trash work," um, <laughs> but. Uh, but Yeah, this match in particular I think is like such a banger and forgetting that PC- like PCO. All I know that PCO did was like this and he comes back for the Brawl for All. <laughs> they they brought But in- he's in Brawl for All? Really? Uh, God, I hope I have this right, but I'm like 95% sure is in the uh, Brawl for All.
1: I mean, the next thing he has him on doing on K's match is he and, he and his partner, I forget the fucking guy's name, they are the amazing French-Canadians in uh, WCW. They had a short tag run there and they jumped right back to the WWF to also do nothing so that was like a year later so okay Um,
0: i double checked he 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 was in the brawl for all okay with one working on first round or something he gets knocked out by dr death okay you know i mean even that's a burial too (laughs) dr death is supposed to win that thing they hate pco but yeah, yeah uh great match it's my favorite from this period of of nutty brett bookings uh and, uh, like I said, for this period of time, it's legitimately like watching, like, Lucha or something. It's, like, the fastest-paced match, that, like, that year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was—it was, it was definitely a lot—went a lot harder than—like, if you watch this match, and you're like, oh, there you have, to have a ton of stuff like this, you're going to be very disappointed.
0: I Also, so. in the very beginning, um, he did—after uh, the after that wild-ass dive, there's was, like, a part where, like— the part where Vince is like, ref, get in there, what are you doing? Uh, PCO is just like unloading shots to the back of Brett's head <laughs> I felt like right. I was watching uh, I was watching Ironhead Fujita Shibata, Shibata, yeah. Yeah, Shibata again right Shibata yeah. again right. <laughs> there you go alright folks
1: we can wrap up this uh, wonderful episode I hope you enjoyed I, I had a good time I don't know if this, I mean, this is going to be listenable but you know <laughs> Since when do I care? I guess is the
0: that's the spirit. Now
1: I love my listeners. They're all, especially at the ones who give me five dollars at patreon.com slash Wrestling on the I think I'm still a patron. Oh, there you go. I, I'm glad you're not. <laughs> like, what? Some of these fucking people. It's like, okay, if you sign up and I don't know who the fuck you are, and you uh, you unsubscribe, that's one thing. If you fucking sign up to my Patreon and unsubscribe in like a month or two, and I know who you are, like the voice of wrestling people who have done this to me. I'm just like you're. You are really uh, ballsy to assume I want to hold that against you. You know who you are, listeners. Uh, okay,
0: well this means I can't. You just scared me out of everyone subscribing. Yeah, there you go. That's the whole idea.
1: <laughs> so there's a couple of voice wrestling contributors. who are like, I know who you are. I know you unsubscribed. Don't think I don't remember. I they get that
0: on. G1 coverage and just hit the fucking road. They're out oh, of you here. don't even know, dude.
1: The G1, <laughs> the G1, any like any New Japan tournaments, like everybody signs up. And then everybody immediately drops out, basically.
0: Uh, well, not me, John. I'm a lifer.
1: Thank you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it's uh, patreon.com slash Only five bucks. You want to hear all these Kanahashi Naito matches. They're so much fun. Uh, you know, we're going to go through all the matches eventually. All the ones made tape, obviously. And there's only like one more we have to skip. So after this, it'll be all the ones, you know, in order as they happened. Um, but yeah, even the ones I've done so far, are a lot of fun. Two more a week coming up. And again, no episode next week, nothing on the free feed the week after the best of Super Junior episode for the last weekend of May, exclusive to the Patreon. So if you want to hear me talk at all for the next three weeks, again, maybe you don't, but you're two hours and four minutes in this episode. So I assume you probably do. Otherwise, like if you're still hate listening at two hours and four minutes of this episode, uh, you, you might want to reevaluate your life, honestly. But if you do actually enjoy hearing me talk about pro wrestling, uh, and you want to hear me for the next three weeks, the only place will be the Patreon. It will not; we will not be back on the free feed until let me give you an exact date: uh, the first week of June. So, like, yeah, June fifth, basically something like that. June fifth, sixth. So it'll be a, our longest break in a while here. You're probably used to us taking one week off here or there for a, you know, we just do a Patreon episode instead. But this will be a long break. June fifth or sixth is we'll be back on the free feed. Uh, so maybe maybe you're like, ah, you know, I do like listening every week most of the time, but I need a break from you, John. Great. Then I'm not talking to you. But <laughs> if you want to hear me, uh, still do the one-match episodes and the Patreon exclusive episode in two weeks, which will be a lot of fun. The Best of Super Junior Finals. And we can get anything. We can get, like, you know, recent stuff, older stuff. Who the fuck knows? And a lot of those matches are awesome. So I'm excited to do those with Joey Bay. So that'll be two weeks from now, only on the Patreon. So again, Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase only five dollars to sign up, and I just basically made it sound like I would shame you if you cancel afterwards. But if I don't know who you are, I won't do
0: that. I promise. You got it. This is a commitment, people.
1: (laughs) I mean, it does. I just feel. I do feel a little pang of like, what did I do wrong every time? (laughs) Unsubscribe. When when usually, if I actually check the, uh, I don't know if the trust trying to save my feelings or what, but when people do leave a reason. It's usually like, oh, I just got really busy at work, or oh, I just haven't been watching wrestling really anymore, which I can't really blame people during this COVID era, but you know, I always, I'm always, i always like, well, I must have done something to fail them personally, so that's always my reaction. Oh, leaving a reason?
0: I've never done that. I should start. Yeah. Really yeah, <laughs> soften the blow. I'll sleep some better. people
1: do leave a reason. A lot of people do not. A lot of people do not do that, so...
0: But what are you got? Has anyone no ever just left like a shitty reason? Is that
1: no, ever... no, no. No one's ever been like, fuck you, John. No, no, no one's ever done that. <laughs> so, but it's always, if they leave a reason, it's always something like, you know, I got really busy with work or uh, I'm just really not been watching wrestling or something like that. So. Anyway. <laughs> why they got that topic. Anything you want to plug, John?
0: Uh, I'm on Twitter at old John Hernandez. I play in a band called Timeshares at Timeshares Music. If there's any crossover between people who like my band and listen to this, uh we're putting up new music on whenever the next band camp day is. So you got the inside scoop right here, two hours into wrestling on omakase. Uh, <laughs> the, uh I play guitar for Maxwell Stern and Roger Harvey, other musicians. If you want to go listen to music I've made and I, uh, write stuff for voices wrestling.com. And that's all I got. What,
1: been, what Are you one of these people that never writes anything or do you, I had, a,
0: stuff? I, I had a hot run. I did a lot of stuff for, uh, I did a lot. I, I'm on all the dragon gate previews and I, okay. um, and uh, I did a bunch of stuff for WrestleMania weekend. What do you mean, John? You didn't read my my WrestleMania weekend GCW uh, reviews? You
1: know you know, <laughs> I am the biggest consumer of American independent wrestling reviews.
0: You but, must have missed it, but don't worry, I it's still there. See. You can catch yeah. my uh my acid cup reviews <laughs> all yeah. on the website.
1: So you can follow us on Twitter, folks, at Russell Omakase Wrestling Of Course would Not Fit. again, if you're not a not a Patreon subscriber, we'll be back in three weeks. I couldn't fucking tell you what we're going to be talking about. Uh, maybe Dominion, if it actually happens. Uh, maybe, is that Noah D.E.T. show happening around Then I think so, if it's supposed to happen. But, I mean, it changes by the day in Japan at this point. So you never really got to really fucking play it by ear at this point with Japanese wrestling. All right, folks. Uh, so it might be like a fucking five matches episode yeah, again, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, this was the first five matches on the free feed in like, you know, six months, I think. So I hope you enjoyed it. And if you loved these five matches episodes, if you love this episode... Uh, You can get a million more on the Patreon. We've done so many of them. Again, patreon.com slash wrestling on the All right, I'll stop plugging now. Thank you for listening, uh, and I will see you in like three weeks. Goodbye.